Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Pennsylvania Council of the Blind thanks the staff of ACB Media, Zoom facilitators, and all volunteers for their assistance with the 2021 Pennsylvania Council of the Blind Conference and Convention, heard on ACB Media 8. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind Conference for 2021. A special welcome goes out to our Zoom listeners and to our ACB Media listeners on ACB Media 8. My name is Tom Bergender, and I will be hosting the event today from 10 a.m. Eastern Time until 4 p.m. During this time, we have a group of exhibitors who are going to be uh, demonstrating their products and services. The theme of this year's conference is Strengthening Community Through Unity. We have eight exhibitors scheduled to present today. They include hymns, guidelines and gadgets, along with guidelines and dogs, the Guide Dog Foundation, Vanda Pharmaceuticals, Democracy Live, The Seeing Eye, Accessible Pharmacy, and Envision America. Now I'd like to introduce, we have two representatives from HIMS who are ready to give us a presentation. They are Earl Harrison, who is the National Account Manager for HIMSS, and we have Thomas Simpson, who's the Vice President of Marketing and Sales. Gentlemen, you're on. Thank you very much for having us. It's a great pleasure to be here. Um, as mentioned, my name is Thomas, and I am with HIMSS, and I am proud to be joined here by the one and only Earl Harrison. So we have an hour today. And what we're going to cover are two things. Uh, First is the Cubrail XL. And then we're going to follow that up by a conversation on the Braille Sense 6. And then we should leave about, what do you think, 10 minutes for a Q&A session at the end? Yeah, maybe 15, depending on how how much we talk. Perfect. All (laughs) right, so let's go ahead and kick off with the the Cubrail XL. Um, So for... For those of you who aren't aware, the Cubrail XL is a 40-cell Braille display, um, but there are a few things that make it a little bit unique. Uh, Earl, do you want to tell people what those things are? Yeah, I think the most no- notable thing is um, the the fact that instead of the numbers and the letters in the main keyboard area that everybody is used to on a laptop computer, instead we've replaced it with a Perkins-style keyboard, Yet we still have all the surrounding uh, QWERTY extended keys, such as the escape, the function keys, the six-pack, the arrow keys. Um, So a lot of you who are listening who have never laid hands on a Cubrail XL would know how to use it immediately because if you're a screen reader user at all, whether that be uh, on a Mac or a PC or uh, Android phone or iPhone, uh, you're already familiar with those commands. So, so there's uh, the only training that's really involved uh, are, is the muscle memory that you're going to need to uh, carry out some of the keystrokes. Um, for example, uh, 
control shift R to reply to a message in Outlook using, you know, that's a Windows keystroke. Uh, you can do that keystroke, but that's a little bit, uh, it takes a little bit of getting used to. So, so you know, that's, that's really about it. But the, but the point is you can connect to several Bluetooth devices and one USB device si- simultaneous, actually up to seven devices in total. And you can switch before, back and forth between them at will. So, um, so say you have your uh, PC on uh, assigned to we, we assign them to the function keys because, in addition to all the extended QWERTY key keys, we've also got two other keys. One's called the pairing key uh, for your Bluetooth functionality, and the other one is called the mode key, and that switches us in and out of what's known as hybrid mode, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But regarding the connectivity, if you hold down the pairing key after you've established your connections, um, you can have, again, up to six Bluetooth devices connected simultaneously. Uh, and if you've got your PC, for example, on assigned to F1, you hold down the pairing key and press and release F1. Uh, if you've got your iPhone on F2, uh, the same thing goes. The The only difference might be between those two connections, you know, besides the entirely different operating systems and types of devices that they are, is that you you would more than likely want to establish a second connection, which um, is F7 through F12. So if you've got your PC, when you let's say you're using NVDA um, on F1, the the, um, the 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 co connection, we'll call it uh, the keyboard connection, is going to be assigned to F7. Get it? So F1 goes with F7, F2 goes with F8, F3 goes with F9, etc. So uh, that is a, a very unique use of the you know the the simultaneous connectivity that we've got um, with with the uh, the QBrail XL. Uh, the other function that I mentioned was something called hybrid mode. Um, let's, let's step back a bit here. When I mentioned the iPhone connection, so the the beauty of uh, hybrid mode is that you can sort of marry that Braille input output. You know, you put you can type in contracted Braille on the on the uh, cord, on, on the Braille keyboard. And it is actually back translated on the fly as you type. So say you're drafting an email message in Microsoft Outlook. You can type uh, you know, Braille to your heart's content in contracted Braille. And, of course, the person on the, the receiving end of that message is just going to see regular text because it's been back translated. Um, so that's a really beautiful thing on the, on the computer. Uh, and but, but on an iPhone, you, you really... We don't find it's really necessary to establish that secondary connection with the keyboard because the 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 um, the, the commands and the um, the input and the translation on the on the iPhone is already so good that there's really no need to do that. So again, with hybrid mode, uh, you just press the button. It's called the mode button by itself. It turns hybrid mode on and off. When it's off, you are using those keystrokes, those keyboard commands that are assigned by the screen reader. Uh, and they can be a little bit uh, tricky. <laughs> and uh, when you've got hybrid mode on, now you've got the ability to um, 
you know, you've basically married the keyboard. As far as the computer is concerned, all it knows is that there's a, an HID or human interface device connected to your computer. It doesn't know anything about the Braille that you're typing into it because all it's receiving are the characters that are being sent to it in just regular text. So um, in addition to that, it can also be used as a wonderful little book reader. It does have a daisy uh, book reader on the device itself. It does support the, um, the reading of uh, text-based PDF documents. And it's just a wonderful little note taker with all this. If you're, if you're familiar with the Braille Edge, it's got basically uh, all the uh, internal functionality as the Braille Edge. In fact, when you go to connect it, it, it actually says Braille Edge. Uh, you know that it, that is connecting to, um, but but it has all this, the internal functions of the Braille Edge, uh, and then some. So, just so I uh, make sure I understand correctly, um, when you have hybrid mode turned on, it functions like a, a QWERTY keyboard, and when you have hybrid mode turned off, it functions like a regular uh, Braille display, right? Exactly. So um, with hybrid mode on, you'd press Alt F4. With hybrid mode off, you'd press whatever the Perkins equivalent is of that. Or whatever reader. whatever that command is assigned by the screen reader might be is supported by the screen reader. Sure. So what's some of the benefits of that, of that awesome hybrid mode? <laughs> well, you know, remember you and I were at a, a school for the blind a couple of years back and, and presenting to a room full of about 45, 50 people. And I was able to give the physical description of that device and everybody in the room could tell me exactly where the keys were just because they're already familiar with the the qwerty keyboard they'd never laid hand on the the, the cube rail yet they were able to tell me where everything was and how it works with their computer that's the benefit if you're used if you're used to a screen reader and you've got those those uh, commands ingrained in your your in your mind it's kind of a um you know, no, no training required in that regard. Yeah. And actually uh, in doing some preparation for something else, I was looking up the list of JAWS key commands and I think there were 33 pages of JAWS key Ah. commands. (laughs) So I imagine you couldn't uh, possibly remember all of those from a Perkins keyboard, right? People can learn stuff, but you know, this is just about connecting it and, and getting your work done because you already know how the screen reader works. You don't have to memorize some convoluted command structure. Um, speaking of screen readers, uh, you mentioned uh, connecting to a mobile device. What what operating systems does it connect with? Well, anything that supports Braille, really. Um, I've not tried it with the Amazon devices, but uh, I understand that it's the the, the uh, Hims Braille displays are supported there. Uh, of course, uh, on Android with with Braille back, and uh, obviously with uh, the iOS devices. Um, and speaking of the iOS devices, you know, in the last couple of years, we've actually, there, there's been kind of a, um, the separation between iOS for the iPhone and iOS for the iPad. So the difference between those might be that you, you, you want to have a secondary keyboard connection if you're using an iPad because there are some apps that just might require the use of some of those QWERTY function keys. And so you've got that option if, if, if you need it. Yeah, I believe, um, especially with the uh, 
I forget what they call it, the magic keyboard with iPads, mm-hmm. that more and more keyboard commands are going to become prevalent right. on iPad OS. Because they're trying to make it as a, re- a replacement for your computer, right? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Um, so do you want to say anything else about the CubeRail XL, or do you want to go ahead and move on? Yeah, we can move on. I, I can just say that the CubeRail XL is just a fabulous 40-cell Braille display. The price is right. I mean, uh, you get all that Braille display, all that connectivity for thirty-one ninety-five is the retail cost. Um. And and again, you, it just makes a, a wonderful, uh, whether you're connecting to other devices or you want to just use it and uh, sit in the park and read a book, uh, it, it allows for for that as well. Is there an ideal person that the CubeRail is for? Uh, is it for like the working professional? Is it for somebody uh, who's, you know, sitting at home, you know, semi-retired? Wow. You know, it's such a diverse device, so it's so flexible. It really is. There's no such thing as a one size fits all in this, in this industry. But I can tell you that we have a number of professionals, including um, Braille proofreaders and medical transcriptionists who absolutely love their Q-Braille because why? Um, it's an ergonomic consideration. They're not forever taking their hands off the Braille display, moving up to the keyboard and typing, moving back to the Braille display. They can just do everything from the Q-Braille. And that is a game changer for a lot of people, especially um, when you've, you've got to consider that, you know, without it, I, I've had people tell me that they've, they've been out of work on workman's comp. So, uh, you know, due to a repetitive stress injury and uh, this really minimizes, if not eliminates all of that. Excellent. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the Braille Sense 6. Uh, I have a feeling that a lot of people are probably interested in learning what's going on with that. Um, we've had a lot of requests for, uh, some of these new features that are coming out. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I've actually got mine connected here so we can hear it. File manager. Yeah. Do you hear that? Okay. Does it sound fine? Word processor. Yeah, it sounds great. Okay. So do you want to go ahead and go over the physical characteristics and since kind of the guts of the six, and then I can launch into kind of demo mode? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm going to start from the, from the position that, uh, people understand what the Braille Sense line of products usually uh, looks and feels like. If you're coming from the U2 or the Braille Sense Polaris, uh, the look and feel is going to be uh, pretty familiar to you. Uh, however, it is quite a bit lighter and slimmer uh, than the previous versions. So, in terms of a physical overview, uh, starting in the top left and right hand quarters corners, you have your stereo speakers. Uh, Moving towards the top middle of the device, you're going to have your LCD display. And that's going to be so that a a sighted colleague uh, can see the text that's in focus on your Braille display. Moving down towards the center of the device, you're going to have your Perkins keyboard. And then immediately below that, uh, in line, you're going to have your four function keys, a control and alt key, and then a space bar right in the center. Moving below that, we're going to have your 32 Braille cells with cursor routing keys. And then to the left and right, you're going to have your scroll keys or arrow keys. Um, On the front panel, you're going to have uh, two switches. There are three position switches. The left one is for locking your keyboard. The next uh, switch to the right is going to be your app mode or your uh, 
controls your media keys. So you're going to have app mode, daisy mode, and MP3. Uh, and that switch controls the five keys to the right of that, which are your media keys. Uh, the media keys are absolutely excellent. If you're going to be reading Daisy files or if you're going to be listening to music, uh, it's an excellent feature to have. And then to the right is your power key. And some of the more interesting things uh, as we move to the right panel. Uh, on the right panel, there are going to be three USB ports. Two of them are USB-C. And that's a big improvement. Uh, coming from the micro and mini USBs from the BrailleSense Polaris. Uh, USB-C provides a lot of additional benefits compared to other USB uh, types. And I think I'll let Earl get into some of those additional benefits. Um, and then the, uh, the third port is a USB Type-A. Uh, on the back, you have a USB Type-A. On the left panel, we have a full-sized SD card slot, followed by two holes and uh, one is for microphone and one is for headphone. And the really nice thing is that uh, the developers have put a little M and a little H Braille label on the top panel so that you know which is for microphone and which is for headphone. Um, overall, it is a great looking and feeling device. I love the new keyboard feel. Um, it is really phenomenal. Um, and in terms of power performance, we have increased the CPUs. It's an eight-core CPU. Uh, doing from memory, it is six gigabytes of RAM, and it is 128 gigabytes of storage. Uh, and this thing is fast, you guys. This thing is very, very fast. Yeah, so we've got some uh, a couple other things on the on the left side. Thomas mentioned you can now oh. label label the uh, headphones and the microphone jack. But on the right side, they've also put a P for power above the the um, USB C port oriented towards the back of the device, and a V for video is uh, what they've they've chosen. Um, which of course that's funny because they're kind of uh, the the inverse of each other. <laughs> but so if you're looking at the other way around, you might think that the, the other thing's the P. But um, actually, no, that's not true. It would be backwards P at that point. But anyways, it's, they've done a really nice job with the layout. And as Thomas mentioned, the keyboard is it's really they refer to it as a matte finish. If you're familiar with the earlier keyboards, like on the Polaris. Uh, and the one before that on the YouTube, both are very good keyboards, but this one has a, a little bit, uh, it's, it's a little bit more natural feel to it. It's not as um, buttonish. It feels more like a keyboard that you're typing on. And because things are um, nice and snappy, because of the octa-core processor and uh, the, the, the RAM that I don't believe anybody else um, has in a Braille note taker out there um everything final manager works really fast for example I, I just pressed f1 to move to the top of uh, the main menu and f1 always gets you to the main menu and i'll just press the letter n to start my notepad and i'll do it right now top of document and already uh, you know on the polaris you might wait a, a second or three uh, for that to launch and get you at the top of the document, at which point you can start typing to your heart's content. But um, now, now I am I typing kind of fast. Kind of. 
uh, I'm not really fast a very fast braille typers, but you would be very, very hard pressed to um, out type the um, the braille sense six. Like some people are actually doing on the Polaris. So um, now is now, the yes, time. No, oh, I didn't do the contraction for time. Tea. Time. Time. For all for good all people good to people come. To. Come. Okay, to the to aid the of their oh. computer. There. Um, computer period. I'm an old guy, so I, I went into UEB kicking and screaming, so I, mit, I miss my ATIONs and my ITYs and things like that. <laughs> um, but you can, as you can hear... Um, I'm typing in UEB Braille. What what happens if you had a if I'm a screen connected to it, or if you've got the little LCD screen um, turned on and and there's there's a sighted person sitting across from you, you can actually flip it the orientation so they can see what you're typing. If you want them to, um, we also there's also a third party app for sharing the screen called uh, Help me out here. Is it uh, screen? Screen stream for for HTTP. Yep. Yes, to HTTP. Um, that is a fabulous choice. It's it's actually an open source project, isn't it? That um, it's just available for free. And what it does is it allows a person to just go into Screen Stream, copy a URL, send it to anybody on any device, whether it's an iPad or a computer um, or an Android phone or tablet, uh, because it's all web based. Uh, you click on this, the um, uh, the the link that you receive in an email message, and boom, you're 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 viewing the person's screen. Um, it's it's really that smooth. And we, actually, we have a, a video on on Screen Stream to HTTP on our uh, YouTube channel as well, done by Jenny Axler, the one and only Jenny Axler. Okay, um, I'm going to switch back over to the um, main menu here again. F1 final manager almost yeah. gets me there, and I'm going to just go down through the menus and talk about some of the new additions that we can look forward to. Um, running a, a test copy here. Word processor W. Of course, we've got the word processor, and uh, people are always asking me what are the differences between the word processor and the notepad. Um, notepad, and the, the main thing to remember is for content creation, uh, you want to always use the notepad because it's just the most reliable, most stable. We've developed it from the ground up. Um, although the, the word, what the word processor is good for, and by the way, you can open any format file in either one of those document, you know, in, in any one of those um, applications, right? Um, the, the, the nice thing about the word processor is that you can receive something from somebody uh, in DOCX format and bring it up and, and maintain the format, you know, their intended formatting and things like that. It's also used for Nimith math editing as well. Um, just it's because it's um, kind of integrates with Microsoft Word. It's the best. It's the best choice for integrating the 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 Nimith Math, uh, which by the way has a graphing calculator yeah, that that actually graphs in real time, overlapping graphs um, in color, which is all over my head. So. I could have ruled the world if I had one of these when I was in college. Email. E. Email. Uh, of course, we've always had support for POP3 and IMAP. Um, and on the Polaris, we had a separate application for Microsoft Exchange. So if you've got a, uh, a, 
Office 365 subscription. That means that you have the ability to uh, create an Outlook account, which is Microsoft Exchange. So you can go in here uh, into this email client. It's all integrated into the one email client and set up your your um, your Exchange email account, which is a great thing for those uh, enterprise accounts as well. Media. Yeah. And we've got something um, in media here. Let's go in. And here, see what we've got. Media player M. So um, I've got the media player FM radio R FM radio podcast P and podcasts. Podcast now, P. so there's there is going to be a podcaster, and I'm just I'll just go ahead creating feed list feed list creation complete. As soon as I get feed. into NBC the podcaster, hold nine eighteen list item New Yorker fiction ten eighteen list item. I've got uh, some things by default. Um, if I press the letter A, ACB Focus Technology One Eighteen. I see. I, I jump to the top of the list. The ACB Focus Technology. If I press the letter N, NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt Nine Eighteen list item. And this was actually on here when I got this. You know, I don't know if it's going to be in the final, you know, default list. Which, by the way, is just a space D to delete if you don't want it in there. But let's feed. let's see what Episode we got. Wednesday, here. September fifteenth, two thousand twenty-one. Not downloaded. One fifty-five list item. Let's see how long it takes to download this. Description, Podcast. U.S. Gymnast, Testify, and Senate, Multiline Edit Box. Download uh, button. I don't know if we want to hear start about all of this. Start content download. Zero. So start content download. And Ten. Connect content my... download complete. Play. And Time. now. Zero, this is Jalen Yang, National zero, zero, Editor zero, 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 at the New York Times. More than 1,700 journalists work at the Times. They come from all over, from Iraq to Iowa. They speak Arabic, Save Spanish, downloaded files. Korean. Downloaded files. Save. Okay. Podcast P. And I'm, and I'm just, I just did a space Z to exit out of there. So you can see how smooth just going and getting your favorite podcasts can be. Uh, let me just go ahead and bail out of here with the F4. Task name, notepad. Uh, oh, I'm going to go back to main menu. File manager. Let's go back down to email, media. Media. Books. K. Um, so we used to have a, well, what did we used to have? Um, a separate thing for Daisy Books, and he's, and and uh, now we've actually organized all the book-related stuff D. in a folder called Books. So document Reader. We've K. got our Daisy Book Reader. Those of you who are familiar with the Document Reader uh, on the YouTube, you'll you'll be happy to know that it is back in the six. Online Daisy. Oh. Online Daisy. Bookshare Download. B. Bookshare Download, which is a dream. Um, you can actually set Bookshare Download to either download the content. Download and extract the content, which is, I believe, the default and what I always use. Or download, extract, and open the content in our Daisy Book Reader, at which point you can uh, access it, uh, the content, in either with either speech or Braille. It is fast. It's fantastic. Task name, notepad. Um, I keep going back to notepad. No name, not TXT save. Yes, prompt button. No prompt button. Yeah, we don't have to Book do share that. download, B. Okay, so let's go. Books, K. Organizer, O. Our organizers. Uh, address manager, A. I'll get into that folder. We've got our address manager. Schedule manager, Our S. schedule manager, which, uh, by the way, I synchronize with my iPhone all the time. I can actually, if I'm out and about and I don't have any Braille device, I can actually tell Siri to um, schedule a calendar appointment, and I can rest assured that it's within just uh, a couple minutes going to be synchronized with the calendar or the scheduler on my uh, Braille sense. Database manager, D. And yay, back again here, we've got the database manager, uh, which 
is uh, something, again, from the U2. So if you got oh, an event going on and you want to set up a database to send out your thank you cards or whatever the case may be, your Christmas list, whatever the case may be, uh, you can do it. You create your own custom database. So that's back. All right. Organizer. Oh, let's go back out to the main menu to organizer and go down here. Web tools. B. Uh, Web tools has some new interesting things, and uh, we'll be putting out a release in the next couple of weeks with, that, that include these. Web browser. B. We've always had the web browser, um, the Hims web browser. Google search. G. Google search. We've had since the players' days. It's f- fantastic. It brings up the top sixty-four at most, I think. Um, why sixty-four? I don't know, <laughs> but. Most people don't want to go, you know, when you do a search, you usually can find what you're looking for within the first three or four, right? Wikisearch, W. And now we, we have Wikisearch, so... Wikisearch, um, W. You know, if you're, you, you want to look something up on Wikipedia, you can do that. Now... Um, Web tools, B. Extras, X. Oh, we've got some extras. What do we have in here? Excel viewer, X. The Excel viewer. Sense dictionary, D. Sense dictionary. So the sense dictionary is something that you used to have to pay for and no longer do you have to pay for it because it is included with every Braille Sense 6 that goes out the door. Uh, used to be a $180 add-on. Color reader, C. We've got a color reader, Color reader, C. And that's everything in the extras. Extras, X. And programs, R. I'm going to go into programs. This is where things um, sense Bible, B. like the Sense Bible live. Um, this is an optional thing. That's, it's, that's why it's under programs. So uh, if you don't want to download and install it. But um, if, you know, if you're Christian like I am, then you can go and, you know, if you're sitting in, in church and the, and the pastor says, go to the book, that chapter, verse, such and such, you can be there, just like on the old YouTube, faster than anybody else uh, can get there uh, flipping through the pages of the Bible. Pretty fast, actually. Um, and I believe that actually is available on the Polaris as well. Yes, I just um, talked, I just sent somebody information on that. Programs are utilities. Okay. Use. Settings, S. So with all of that, um, we also have things like language switching. Um, we, we, so you can actually set up a, a secondary language profile. Um, I believe it's mostly the, the uh, Latin-based languages. Uh, I think I saw Hebrew in there as well as Russian and other things uh, in there as well. And if you'd like to, in the global options uh, dialog, uh, which I can get to by just pressing space O. Rail display. B if I go down item. to the bottom with space four, five, six. Language L, English, United States, list item. I see uh, language United States, and I can actually... Um, if I wish I knew how to speak other languages, but I could actually uh, go through here and set the user interface for an entirely different language as well. Canceled setting options. So I'm going to um, go ahead and talk a little bit about third-party apps. Um, APK Pure. All I did from the main menu is press the letter A, and that opened my third-party apps folder. So if I go in here... Assistant. Um, Audible. You can hear all the apps that I've downloaded, and some of them come by default just on virtue of the fact that it's a, a Google device, like all your googly things are already in here. Audio Lab. Audio Lab is an audio <clears throat> editor that um, yeah, some some people are reporting uh, mixed results with some some successes. Hard mobile. Email. 
hey, you got email. Um, somebody's <laughs> so I've got Bard Mobile, Be My Eyes, Be My Eyes, Best Guitar Tuner, the Best Guitar Tuner, which uh, of course I don't have perfect pitch, um, but I have pretty good relative pitch, so that comes in real handy when I'm out on a gig. Calendar, uh, calendar, camera, camera. Chrome. So throughout the entire system, classroom, I've got classroom there. All these contacts. Googly things. There's my contacts, which is uh, integrated with my sketch, with my address book. Disney, Disney. Drive. Let's say that I want to go to something like um, Netflix. First letter navigation is supported throughout the entire system, so I can just NBC. Um, press the letter N. There's NBC. Netflix. There's Netflix, and let's just go ahead and press enter this on Netflix that. Netflix K. Who's watching? Kelly J. Say, who's watching? Kelly J. That's my wife. Image Netflix. And she's not watching right now. Magnetic profiles. Press enter to activate. We're probably something like the Gilmore Girls or something. If we who's something. watching? If you see my button, Kelly J. Row one, um, column one in grid two. Button row column two. Press enter. My to profile. You'd see more things like um, Man in the click, High click Castle. Or, well, that's an Amazon thing, isn't it? Uh, let's see what we're watching. Button clickbait. Press enter to activate. Button play now. Press enter to activate. Um, let's go ahead. Switch off. Add to my list. Press enter to toggle clickbait. Button clickbait. Press enter to activate. Um, Spanish language movies TV. Let's go ahead and... Button queen of the salt. Press enter. Button how to get away with murder. Press enter to activate. Oof. Button Ozark. Press enter to activate. Ozark. So. Button designated survivor. Press enter to activate. Button the blacklist. Press enter to activate. Button Wentworth. Press enter to activate. All right. Let me pick one. Button the people versus OJ Simpson. Press enter to activate. Button king of boys. The return of the king. Press enter to activate. <laughs> okay. Let's just pick one because we're not going to watch a whole Button movie together, right? To we're activate. almost on the time. So I've... I've picked this random movie. Button play, press enter to activate. And I'm just going to press play. Hmm. Button show controls, press enter to activate. Switch off volume, press enter to talk preview. Button close, press enter to activate. King of Boys, The Return of the King. Button 93 match 2021 TVMA. Watch the limited series now. Button play a King's Welcome, press enter to activate. Uh, King's Welcome. Button show controls, press enter to activate. Button navigate, press enter to activate. A red letter N unfolds into a spectrum of colors. Logo. Kenny Language, added Tiva violence, visuals. Self-harm, smoking. In a bedroom, Aniola kneels with her back to the bed. Her eyes shine. A multi-thong whip. Netflix. So obviously, as you heard, I've got um, descriptive video switched on. And uh, it is just, you know, especially when I'm out and I'm out on the road. I hear it just became came back on access to the microphone. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm louder now. Um you can hear that we've got descriptive video turned on, so when I'm out and about and um say in a hotel room somewhere, it's just a wonderful thing to be able to to go and um and watch a movie that I've been in, meaning to watch. You know, uh, I've got everything on here. In fact, the last time I traveled, I just wanted to do a little experiment. And I wouldn't say that it's a replacement for a laptop, but it was pretty darn good. I was able to check all my email. Um, you know, compose my, my reports for the boss and, um, they do the, you know, access Excel, Excel spreadsheets, uh, do all the entertainment stuff, whether it's on Pandora. Um, I also have the ability, you know, I also, also got the G lady, the assistant on here. Hey, Google. Button press enter to activate. What is the forecast for today? Today in Fridley, it'll be cloudy, with a forecasted high of 85 and a low of 58. Currently, it's 70 degrees and partly cloudy. Mm-hmm. So I can ask it all kinds of things like, um, hey, Google, what is the driving distance between here and Albany, Oregon? 
Button press enter. You to are activate. 1,793 miles away from Albany. Ooh, Thomas, you're far away. I think you're as far as you can be from me, huh? Uh, just about. <laughs> so, so that is, um, you know, a little, little bit about the third party apps. I mean, we are just touching on uh, third-party apps, and it's really there's so much uncharted territory out there. We don't know all the apps that are accessible, and of course, as a developer of this project, we can't support all the apps that are out there. But I'm happy to say that since we came out with the six, um, when I had my Polaris, I, I had kind of hit the wall with my banking app. I bank at Wells Fargo. Um, and they said, sorry, in October, you're no longer going to be able to do that on this, this Android 5 device. Um, and sure enough, I had no more access to my Wells Fargo accounts uh, on the Polaris. But I do here, and I didn't have to go sideload some APK from some obscure place either. I just go to the Play Store. Just, uh, I'll just go ahead and press, uh, go back to my main menu. File Manager, F. Go to the Play Store by pressing P. List file manager, F1F editors button for you, press enter to activate. And I'm already in. I'll just press S to go to search. search for apps games, press enter to activate. And search for apps games. Um, one more thing I wanted to point out here, you know. File manager, um, I, I've got my, my iPhone is a very convenient thing, but with YouTube, which is um, uh, in my all apps. YouTube. Program here. Image YouTube. What's really nice is you can just kind of button cast disconnected button notifications press enter to activate. First of all, you can cast this here. Email button account press enter to activate button TikTok videos just for you at four point four free press enter to activate. Right. Go to menu, install button library press enter to activate image YouTube button cast disconnected press enter to activate. Well, let's do a search button search press enter to activate. What should button I search for? Target, button list, fifty-eight items. Press enter to activate. Should One fifty-eight. Should I search for Braille Sense Six? Something boring like that. Go for it. Braille, and I'm typing in contracted Braille. Make sure that I'm doing it right. S E N sign S E six. Button cast disconnected. Press enter to activate. Okay, and now let's see if we got here. Button Braille Sense Six overview. Twenty-five minutes. Go to channel. Hymns International. Mm, One point four views. Five months ago. Six, video, press Twenty-five enter, minutes. List. If you suffer from Button diabetes, minimize, enter, type two, or pre-diabetes, oh, here's an ad. This might be the Button most important video you ever watched. Top doctor from Arizona. So instead of Kim's, we'll go ahead and, and bail Hello, here. Hello, everyone. I'm Jenny. Task name, Play Store. Hi, Jenny. For you top charts, kids, categories. Energy. She's lived in Korea. Iowa girl, by the way. lives in, Has lived in Korea for almost eight years now already. Wow. Anyway, she does a great uh, demo of the Braille Sense 6, uh, which I just looked up on YouTube. You, you saw that... Um, we had some ads. I'm too cheap to pay for YouTube TV, <laughs> um, and uh, and 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 get the ad-free service. So all I have to do is press the letter S because again, first letter navigation works throughout the entire system, and uh, I was able to just press S to get to the skip ad button, press enter, and boom, I'm I'm off and running with my video versus having to you know do my four finger tap at the top of this you know touch at the top of the iPhone and then flick 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 until I happen to come across skip ad. So it's a little bit more efficient in that regard. So I'll bet we're coming up on time now, Thomas. Yes, we are. Let's, um, it's uh, 36 past the hour. That's uh, inclusive for everyone in the United States, I believe. Mm. Um, so I have a few questions for you, Earl. Sure. So 
uh, you as a user, what would you say would be like your top, maybe one or two things about the Braille Sense 6 that you just absolutely love? You know, the responsiveness is um, unparalleled so far in a, in a uh, dedicated note taker. Um, there's nothing else out there like it. And we've gotten accolades from some pretty um, serious users out there. Um, one that comes to mind, uh, he's very public about it, showed up at our ACB National Convention uh, presentation. Brian Hartgen over there in the UK says, I, I quote, I I like everything about the Braille Sense. And I, I think it just has to do with the, the, the responsiveness um, the the idea that it's just it's just such a, a flexible device whether you're using it for school to do your homework or using it for entertainment. Um, there's really just nothing. It's it's really the funnest device I've got to say that I've had had come across in a long time. You know, when back back in the day that that was, that used to be my pack mate. You know, I I thought I was really rocking and rolling with that. Um, you know, pack mate Omni with the uh, you know with, with the forty cell braille display, which is still a, it's a cool device and things like that. But man, there's nothing like this, and I can tell you, in the entire however long I've been using this device, I think since um, I was on the beta team back in March, I've never experienced a lockup. Not yet. So I, I and and I I put this thing through its paces. So um, that to me, <laughs> those are the key features. Never locks up. Uh, the battery life is outstanding. We had a promotion in the beginning where people got an extra battery. Um, we're, they're supposed to get an extra battery, but you know, with about 20 hours of battery life, you know, I treat it like my phone at the end of the day, just like I plug in my phone, I'll plug in my Braille Sense 6 and, you know, be ready and good to go for the next day. So I, I, I don't need that extra battery. Um, so it's just the, the raw, you know, pure performance is my favorite feature of the device. Yeah. The, uh, the reviews that we've been getting um echo that that's what we hear all the time it's fast it's very fast um you cannot outtype this device uh, i've not heard of anybody who can no, yet you'd be pretty hard pressed <laughs> to, to outtype the six so uh let's say somebody has a braille sense polaris um and wanted to move up to the braille sense six what would you recommend well, I had that 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 question posed to me the other day, and I and I said, "Do you want my do you, do you want the Earl from Hims answer? Or do you want the Earl personal opinion?" And she said, uh, "The Earl personal opinion." I said, "You want it? <laughs> there's just there's no comparison. Um, I mean, the Polaris is a good device, um, and 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 for the, for the moment for twenty two ninety five, you can actually get your Braille cells." Uh, transplanted from your Polaris if they're in good working order uh, into a Braille Sense Six for two, you know two thousand two hundred and ninety five dollars, and it's kind of a painful, lengthy wait of somewhere between you know what four to six weeks. People are waiting to get their get them updated, but um, it, it's a well worthwhile upgrade just based on you know again pure performance. Um, and let me clarify that that four to six weeks is, uh, sending in the device and getting it upgraded. Um, that's not the wait time to, to, 
to start sending in your device. Okay. Um, yes. Thank you for that. Yes. That, yeah. That's right. Went from the time you send it, it's, it's really like four weeks usually yeah. before you get it back because we send them over in batches. We, I think our technician in Austin was about to faint when we, we, we had an overwhelming demand when we start, first started offering these updates, these upgrades. And I think she was wondering how she was going to do her regular job and to do all these upgrades at the same time. So we decided that they need just needed to be done by the engineer and staff over there in Korea. <laughs> so yeah, that's where they go. Absolutely. The uh the response was overwhelming, uh to say the least. Very positively overwhelming. Um so excellent. Um also if somebody has a different braille product, uh obviously we can't upgrade those. They use different braille cells. Um, but what would we recommend for people who let's say they've got a braille note touch or an apex or touch plus? Yeah. So if you go to our, our website, hymns-inc.com, and in the search field, you just type in the two words, trade in. Uh, the very first, the top hit that you're going to come across is a page where the there, there is a table containing all the um, the trade-in values for those various devices. Uh, so whether you're using a, you know, one of our competitors' devices or even if you're using one of our devices, those those devices, of course, have trade-in value as well. And if uh, somebody wanted to do a trade-in or do an upgrade, uh, what would be our contact information? So you can always reach us by phone, of course, at uh, 512-837-2000. Option one is support. Option two is sales. Uh, or, or on that very same website, hymns-inc.com. Uh, you can fill out the, the contact form or you can just send an email to sales or support at hymns-inc.com. Excellent. It is 43 past the hour. Uh, do we want to go ahead and open it up for questions? Yeah, I think so. I missed the price on the new note taker. Okay, so the uh, that, that, I'm glad you brought that up because the price of the uh, BrailleSense 6 is the same as what the Polaris used to be. It is $5,795 for the BrailleSense 6. Um, and of course, you know, if you have a device to trade in, that will bring it down substantially. Uh, also, the, the BrailleSense Polaris, which people are still purchasing, is now available at... Thirty nine ninety five. So we've taken almost twenty eight hundred dollars off of the the cost of the. Uh, is that right? Or is that <laughs> my yeah. math is bad? Seventeen hundred, eighteen hundred dollars. I don't know. I'm embarrassed. Anyways, uh, a lot uh, off of the a brand new Brailsons Polaris. But we really um, recommend if you can swing it, uh, set yourself up for a few years moving forward and get the six. Thomas, someone just getting into though world of note-taking with Polaris, though, might work if you just wanted like a tablet-type thing. Absolutely. You know, for email and internet and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is a very, very good, solid note-taker. Um, and we've, we've still got people wanting to replace their, their BrailleSense U2, which is the predecessor to the Polaris, um, with another U2. So, I mean, it's all in what's important to you. Uh, Thomas, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the, the, the finance options as well? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you are interested in getting a Polaris or Braille Sense 6, uh, we have two options for financing. Um, one is through PayPal. 
Uh, and it, PayPal does uh, split payments. They will uh, essentially loan you the amount of money you have to pay it back over. I believe it's a six month period standard uh, is what it is. And uh, interest free. Yeah. Int- so. Yes. Interest free. Yes. And so to take advantage of that, uh, we recommend that you send us an email and recommend or request uh, PayPal uh, financing from us uh, for a product of your choice. And then we'll get you set up with that. Uh, in addition, uh, if you go through our website and go through the cart, when you get to the cart, after adding a product to your cart and go through the checkout process, uh, when you get down to the credit card, uh, field. If you tab down to the very next option, you'll find something that says Affirm. And what Affirm is, it's a true financing company, um, meaning that they will uh, provide you with a loan uh, that will allow you to make payments for uh, anywhere from 12 months up to 36 months, I believe, depending on several different factors. Um, it is a soft credit check uh, at the very beginning, meaning that it will not impact your credit score to get pre-approved. If you go through the pre-approval and then uh, everything looks good to go, then there is a credit check on the back end. And that is handled entirely through a company called Affirm. Um, But it is the one and only true financing uh, option in this industry that I have found so far. This is Doug Hunsinger. I'm on the panel and I have a question. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, uh, actually, two questions. One, can you c- comment on what social media uh, apps or whatever you support? And the other is um, Internet radio. I'm also interested in that. Do you know what sources you use to get Internet radio? Thank you. This, this sounds like a really nice app. I can't believe how fast it is. Yeah, you know, so we have to plead ignorance on the Internet radio <laughs> front, but... Um, because uh, I haven't really spent any time doing it, but I, I, one of the, the complaints that I've heard about is that the metadata uh, for the radio stations haven't been displayed. I think I saw in a recent test build that that has been addressed. Um, I'm not sure what sources they there. There are hundreds of them <laughs> available, and I, I just um, I've got so many other uh, sources for. Uh, for entertainment and music and things like that. I've got to plead ignorance on that front. Do you know anything about it, Thomas? I know that I've tested uh, M3U uh, streams before, uh, and those do work, but those are the ones without the the metadata. Um, so there's that. There's a FM radio, or is it AM radio or FM radio? Oh, it's FM. And FM radio, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> of course, that's not internet radio. That's actually over the air. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the M3U uh, approaches the the way that I've tested it, um, but I don't use radio often. We we don't have... I mean, right now, you can actually go and um, go to the, like the, the Facebook mobile site and use it pretty successfully. You can even download the... the uh, Facebook app onto the onto the Braille Sense. What is really kind of cool? There's an app called Mo Media out there. It's by um, one of our international dealers called Natic, um, and they have actually used the 
uh, you know, the software developers kit for the Braille Sense 6 to develop this app. So everything about it feels very Braille Sense-ish and it's like 15 bucks. Um, so while we're not doing it directly, you know, maybe one day, um, him so find it in their heart to maybe, I don't know, purchase the source code or something like that. But for now, it's available for $15 for Twitter, for, um, Mo tweet. And rumor has it that they're, they're thinking about doing, um, a Facebook, uh, one as well. But I think they're, there's uh, a problem with not having a, a, an API available for Facebook. So I always go to the, I, I, I always generally just go to the, um, uh, the M, m.facebook.com site to, to manage that on whatever device I'm using. Except the iPhone. The iPhone, I just use the app and it works great. But, uh, but on the 6, yeah, it's, it, it could be better. Messenger is really good. Um, if you download the, the Messenger app, that's that's outstanding. Um, what else? Skype works. I mean, just about anything works. You just have to be, get used to doing the things kind of the Android way when you're using these apps, which means there's just a lot of tabbing around or first-letter navigation, and, and it's just a matter of knowing the app. Yeah, actually, um, for some... Uh, Android apps. I've heard of people who are able to do it much faster on the Braille Sense 6 than on something like an iPhone, simply because of that first letter navigation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've worked with people who use Duolingo uh, to study a new language yeah. successfully on the Braille Sense 6. And um, people are using all sorts of apps. And actually, that that really hits home at the, the speed and power of performance of this thing. Um, it encourages you to explore and try new things because you know, it's not going to be a time sink. It's not going to take you a half hour uh, to, to explore the interface of an app or anything else like that. It's instant. It's fast. Yeah. I must say the, the podcasting part of that sounded really interesting. It was quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the, the other thing um, for connectivity, I know you do Wi-Fi. Do you also offer a cellular type connection or is that, uh, something <laughs> I wish no. Oh, okay, yeah, most don't. Uh, but and I just wanted to double check. But it, it sounds like a nice device. Uh, one other thing about connectivity um, that's I think uh, a lot of people would be interested in is that we're using Bluetooth five point one. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have not ever used a five point one device, it is phenomenal in terms of Bluetooth connectivity, distance, speed. Um, my, I'm in a two story house. I'm on the complete opposite end of the house and my Bose speaker is, uh, opposite corner. I turn on my Braille Sense 6 and it can connect instantly, uh, to, to that Bose speaker. Uh, it connects instantly to iOS devices. It is a very, very fast Bluetooth connection. Goes yeah. through walls, goes, goes through everything. Yeah. It's very low battery consumption. And that's, yeah. The beauty of it, it's got the, um, the, the, the range and very low battery consumption. And I can say the same thing when using the Braille Sense 6 as a terminal for a screen reader, like JAWS or something. Um, or even iOS, we have a lot of, uh, my, my wife actually works a lot with deafblind folks under the ICANN Connect um, project. And, 
you know, it, one of the things I, and Thomas, you probably remember me being a real pain about is the connectivity during the beta stuff. It's just like, Hey, you know, we got a lot of deaf blind people and they fixed it. And now I can be again in the exact opposite corner of the house or even outside um, on the other side of the house with my braille sense down in the basement. And as soon as I wake up my iPhone, it goes, but <laughs> it just connects. Uh, so now anybody in the basement can read what's coming up on my screen. Yeah. It really is so impressive that I want to move pretty much all of my devices to, to Bluetooth 5.1. I, yeah. Um, and actually, Earl, uh, didn't we have some people successfully connected to uh, some hearing aids, right? You know, recently um, there, we had a house guest who um, is also a deafblind person. Her and her husband stayed, came and stayed for a couple of weeks. And uh, I gave her a little Braille Sense 6 demo, and she's uh, got a profound hearing loss, and it's, uh, she can hear normal you know regular conversation with the use of her hearing aids and uh, i think she's got the the top of the line phonics hearing aids and the first thing we did was you know connected uh, bluetooth to that and then we connected with voiceover on her iphone to the braille sense 6 and she just sat there in her glory because it was way smoother than anything and she we're talking about somebody who's used a lot of devices anything she's ever used before uh, in fact, uh, her, her Braille Sense 6 is on her way to her because she just, she was that enthralled <laughs> that she just decided this, I need this. So we've got about five minutes left. Earl, do you want to remind people of how to get in touch with us if they want to learn more about the Q Braille XL or Braille Sense yeah. 6? Yeah, there's, there, there are multiple um, ways to get to reach out to us. Uh, the most direct probably um, is by email at either support at hymns-inc.com if you've got a, a hymns device that you want support with or at sales-hymns-inc.com or hymns at sorry sales at hymns-inc.com if you um, are considering the purchase or if you've already got a, um, a hymns device you can also call us on the phone at 512-837-2000 option one for support option two for sales and of course you can um, you know browse our website at hymns-inc.com where you will find uh, there there are forms for either signing up for our announcements list if you're not already signed up uh, or you can uh, you know reach out to us uh, with any questions you might have via a web form as well and uh, kudos to Thomas here for for really turning our website around in the last year and a half or so um, it is if, if you remember the website from a couple of years ago, I, I was a hymns employee, right? And I complained about it all the time <laughs> and, and it, it, nothing seemed to happen. But, uh, CEO Randy, Randy on came on board. What was it, like a year and a half ago already, Thomas. Yeah. And, uh, he's really a hands-on kind of guy and gave Thomas the go ahead to just go ahead and, and, uh, uh, work on the accessibility side of the site. And it's now just a, a, a lovely thing to, to, uh, navigate. Well, I'd like to wrap it up because you started before the hour and oh. I want to give our next <laughs> presenter a full opportunity to, uh, tell us what they have. Fair enough. So I'd like to thank both of you from HIMSS for participating. And on behalf of the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind, 
I want to thank Hims and all of our exhibitors for choosing to be with us today. We appreciate your support, and I hope that we're giving you plenty of uh, um, opportunity to spread your wings because we've got a fantastic reservation pool out there that's already signed up. So again, thank you very much. Well, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you very much. Moving on, my name is Tom Bergender, and I'm with the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind. I'm hosting today's exhibit, Extravaganza. The theme of this year's conference is Strengthening Community Through Unity. <clears throat> we'll be presenting seven more exhibitors, including Guidelines and Gadgets, moving on then to the Guide Dog Foundation, Vanda Pharmaceuticals, Democracy Live, the CNI, Accessible Pharmacy, and Envision America. Now I'd like to bring into our exhibit hall, if you will, Guidelines and Gadgets. Barry and Kayan, it's time for you to talk. Um, I'm starting out to represent Guidelines and Gadgets. Um, we, as you might know, consist of two, well, three different lines of products. Uh, my part is the Guidelight dog products. Barry does primarily the guide light tech and gadgets piece, and we kind of both handle leather products. So put all that together and you have quite a dance. Um, but we are known as guide lights and gadgets. I'll do the first part of the presentation and Barry then will come in. And uh, we have so many great products here between Barry and me. So again, my name is Kay Ann Rausch. Um, I can be reached at my email address, guidelightdogs at gmail.com. And I can be reached directly by phone, which I really encourage people to do. And if you need uh, that number, I'm sure Tom has our contact information also. Um, my phone is 781-286-1696. And I'll look forward to hearing from people, I hope. All right, getting into Guidelight Dogs, all kinds of products. These uh, terrific opportunities to come in and see the state affiliates has just been wonderful. And we appreciate you having us very, very much as a part of your program. Okay, dog products in, in no, no particular order. Um, again, I, I do some of the leather products, and those are kind of interspersed, but I'm taking primarily my, my new products and getting, getting them out there so that you all are familiar with them. The um, line itself started about uh, eight years ago when I really realized the need initially for uh, products that are targeted specifically to people who are guide dog handlers or service dog handlers, uh, legitimate ones, of course. Um, or even some of our pet dog owners here in my community have bought stuff for me. So I guess I can extend to large pet dogs as well, since most of this stuff does apply. So with no, no further ado, let me get going to the good stuff. Um, I specialize in safety products, first and foremost, um, and I have a few things that are very popular and very applicable to our population. Uh, I do have what we call our guide light strips. Um, they are about a eight inch long strip of LED lights that fasten to any harness. 
by uh, wrapping Velcro straps. So it's very adjustable. There are a lot of ways you can do it either across the dog or on their collar or on their um, on their handle or even on yourself. These are also great on wheelchairs. Uh, people have bought them to put on their on the back part of their wheelchair, the bars that go down to support them. Um, people have used them in lots of ways on the leash. Um, you know, your imagination is just run wild with it. You'll have a great time. Uh, the lights are LEDs. They're very long lasting. The batteries can be replaced by simple, very easy to obtain watch batteries that you can get at the drugstore or you can get at the supermarket. So the, it's very easy. So um, those are very popular, except you either need to have a little bit of vision or you need to have um, a, a light detector to tell you if they're on or off, uh, which is is a restriction for some folks. So we also have some other options. I have what I call just my guide lights, and those are individual lights that have a slide switch. So you can tell by looking at the direction of the slide switch whether it's on or off, which is very very helpful if you're totally blind. Uh, I have a couple of other brand new options. I started. I uh, have a relationship with Roughwear now, and I'm um, I am representing them and their products. And there are a few that were especially exciting for me. One of them was their um, Light Beacon, which has audible feedback to it. Uh, they do it with um, they do it with uh, not beeps, but tones to tell you whether it's on or off um, and it's it's really easy to to figure it out uh, wonderful product to have it audible like that for those of us who have no vision they also have a version uh, that's less expensive that does not have it's the exact same thing except it does not have the audible tones uh, the advantage to that is if you have low vision and can see a little bit you know, if you can pick up light to know whether it's on or off, you don't need the extra um, audible um, uh, option. You can purchase one of those for a bit less than the uh, ones with the beacon or with the um, the oh gosh the audible tones. So the lights the lights are wonderful. I also have some collars that light up, and um, those are in the line as well. Um, less popular, but people do like them, um, especially for pet dogs when you go out to relieve at night. Um, second, I carry um, waste packs. I wouldn't call them a pack. It's like a waste bag that has a wonderful magnetic pocket for for dog treats. And the dog doesn't hear it coming because of the magnetic um, option and uh, it also then when the flap drops down it it closes itself so you're not going to lose your your treat all the way down the all the way down the sidewalk which can happen with some of the um, inexpensive ones that you get from the guide dog schools um, no you know no foul intended for the guide dog schools but uh, this is a, a nice high grade um, leather product. And I've sold so many of them. They've been very, very helpful. So if you would, if you're considering um, a leather product that can do the same thing, give me a call. Let's talk about it. Um, in addition, let's see what else we have here. Um, 
this is off the beaten path of the dog products, but it's something I came across that I absolutely love. It is a leather clutch pocketbook um, that is, it's not a crossbody. It goes actually inside the purse, and it is a full-blown organizer. I absolutely love these things. They've got a, They've got pockets on the inside, of course, for the ID and the credit cards, the shopping, the uh, Costco cards, whatever to go in. They have so many compartments to organize yourself. The one that I like, probably the one that really jumped out at me was a pocket on the far inside that was quite good sized. And I put my documents for my dog in there so that I have her rabies certificate. I have uh, the TSA uh, um document that uh, some of the airlines will use. Some of them require their own. You just have to be prepared if you're flying. Um, my vaccination uh, record, anything that's important, you can put into there, you know, right where it is. You go straight to it. It's safe. It's on the most interior part of the wallet. It's it's not going to have, it will not be destroyed if it's down in there. Again, there are many other pockets for, for money. They have a Snap close one for change. If God knows what we do with our change now, but uh, we, we have a pocket for it. Uh, places, of course, for bills and, and other things. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Anyway, um, it measures about, let's see, because people always want to know this, um, seven and a half inches by four inches by one and a half inches uh, unloaded. Uh, so it's not it's not just a wallet size uh, thing. It's probably about two times as large as a wallet. But put it in your purse. It is well worth it if you're traveling to have that extra size. Um, all right. People have been screaming for attire for their dogs. Now, I'm not going to do any of those silly costumes for them. But there are some items now that I'm doing that people have asked for. Um, I've got windbreakers um, for the dogs which are, are terrific. Um, they are sized by the distance from the, from the dog, the back of the dog's neck to the beginning, to the base of their tail, basically. And uh, these, this particular line, um, the size goes from, if your dog is between 22 and 24 inches, uh, from back of the neck to back of the tail, this is a good, um, this is a good coverage um, uh, item. Um, we have also the larger slickers. I love this slicker actually. It's this one is it looks like um, kind of looks like a blue. I'm sorry, a um, big yellow raincoat, um, and it does give the dog good coverage. Some of these things they protect the back, they don't protect uh, the whole dog, which is unfortunate. But I finally found one I liked. So. Um, this uh, this one is is worth looking into if you're if you're looking into raincoats for your dogs. Um, we have an essential to all guide dog handlers and pet handlers and service dog handlers, and I think they should be standard issue to everybody. They're called the waste bag holders. If you've ever had the experience of being out there uh, walking your dog or dogs, and at one point I had three of them, so this was this was interesting. I had my first guide retired, my second guide retired, and I had my third guide working. We'd all go out on walks together. 
Well, one day I came to the point where I, a neighbor walked out and came out, wanted to shake my hand. I picked up my hand and realized I had three full bags of poop in there. That was so embarrassing. So I found this wonderful solution. Um, it's a waste bag holder. It wraps around the harness and it will hold you knot the bag and you kind of stuff the knot up through it. It will hold. The dog will be carrying his own waste bags home until you can, you know, get rid of them. And I'll never have that problem again. And of course that neighbor will probably never want to shake my hand again, <laughs> but uh, we live and learn. Okay. So we talked about the lights. We talked about the slickers. We talked about, Oh, this is a great one. Sell a lot of these two folks. It's a silicone. Um, I call it the the fur lifter. And basically, imagine a toilet paper roll, but a square toilet paper roll. I know, not very practical, but that's the closest I can get. On each side of this um, this hollow thing, it has rows and rows of silicone bumps. Now, if you use this on a carpeted surface, like I use it on my stairs that are carpeted because you can't vacuum those darn things. It doesn't come up. Uh, but by rubbing it on the stairs, like you're petting your dog, hair will just clump up to this thing. Silicone's a magic thing as far as I'm concerned. It, it attracts all kinds of gunk and you get all the fur and all kinds of, you know, little linty things. And by the time you get to the bottom of the stairs, you've got a pile of stuff. This will also work if you're, I, I take one of these with me when I'm in an Uber or Lyft. And as a courtesy, I do a quick, um, just a quick, quick uh, brushing through with that to take out whatever dog hair is in there. And the Uber and Lyft people like me a whole lot better than they sometimes do otherwise. I have a version. This is this is different. It's also silicone, and it is a it is a fur remover um, from clothing. People have asked me for that uh, if they're going into an interview or you know uh, somewhere where they've got their dark pants on and they really want to get the hair off. This thing works like a brush again, same way, but it has longer bristles on it that do well with with regular clothing. Getting into the folds of it. So selling lots of these as well. Um, and uh, it's a, it's a great little product to have on board. Um, we have also, and this is kind of back to the, back to the travel stuff. I've got, um, I've got a product that actually is two silicone bowls and uh, they say they are 1.5 cup bowls. And I don't know if they mean, that's what you should put in them or that's how much they hold. They seem a little more t than that to me. But these two bowls um, will zip all the way around the two bowls. Once you flatten them, you can zip it up and whatever mess has been made in the bowls stays inside. So these are the 1.5 ones. I also have them in three cup varieties. So you can feed your pet on the go, feed your dog on the go. It doesn't matter if it's a service dog or whatever. Um, these are wonderful to have. And I've sold lots of them also to neighbors who travel. Um, okay. So moving on. Oh, this is a wonderful one. Um, we have a four-in-one grooming brush. And uh, this four-in-one has a 
has a handle that will detach the end of of the of the brush um, and then you can replace it with another end there are two things you can use and each one has a different uh, texture a kind of of grooming uh, device on either side of of that um, of that piece so on one side you'll have a kind of a uh, you'll have th a thing that's kind of like a, a furminator. You'll have a thing that's kind of like um, more like a, a broad tooth comb to kind of loosen fur before you do anything. Um, you'll also have a smooth finishing brush on another one. And uh, on the other side of that, I believe, is the slicker piece. So you've got four things in one. Um, I used these when I had my three dogs because their coats were pretty different, all three of them. So I had everything I needed, you know, nice when you travel. Um, so this this comes, um, the four in one uh, comes with a with a, a nice leather case as well for for travel. So um, we have, though, in addition, we have a five-in-one grooming uh, brush. It's it's a little different in the layout. Um, I think I'll have to make a tutorial for um, how to change the the pieces up because it's a little not obvious. But once you once you get it, you got it. Um, the five-in-ones are fifty, and those also come with a case. And the foreign ones are $40 um, for the, again, in a case. So I love my grooming um, devices. They are absolutely wonderful. Um, okay, so moving on, we've got uh, dog sweaters. Um, that's another thing I've been asked about, sweaters. And I found some real winners out here. Um, there are, again, these are, measured uh, primarily by that by that uh, measurement of from the base of the collar to the base of the tail um, and uh, 22 to 24 most of our dogs aren't smaller or larger than that some of them may be but it would be the exception um, the one I'm looking at here um, is a kind of like a light blue bright blue color and uh, they're they're really wonderful, very nice. It's like a cable sweater, um, and we've got a light. Oh, I love this one now. This is this is the larger one, um, and this one is a light brown tangerine gray knitted sweater. Absolutely beautiful. Um, all right, so here we go. I know I'm probably running out of time. Um, all right, so on the Okay, so we have different kinds of specialty wipes, and I, I love these for you, for you, those of you who don't, can't brush your dog's teeth, either because you're on the go or because the dog doesn't like it at all. We do have tooth wipes, as well as um, like face. Uh, it's intended for the face, so that you know you don't you don't typically groom around your dog's face because you don't want to get it in their eyes. Um, this is a very safe. Um, it's not intended to go on the eyes, but it will not hurt them if, if it should uh, brush against their eyes. So um, I offer those as well and, and use those. Please understand these things are all things that I would use on my own dogs. Um, if, if I get a product and it is not suitable, I will not sell it. So please, um, that's, that's just our way of doing business. 
bandanas. Oh my gosh. I've had so much fun with this. Um, we have some wonderful, wonderful patterns. We're on sale right now, uh, $4 each or four individual ones for $14. So you get a break if you, if you get four of them. Uh, one of them is black with, um, white. They're small, white outlined, uh, bones and hearts. And then they have big paw prints. In, in soft pastel colors. It's really pretty. It's really cute. Um, we have a series of them with um, flag-related things. They don't really look like American flags. It's kind of abstract, but they have all kinds of things with stars and stripes and, you know, kind of flags. Um, and they're they're really beautiful for any of the holidays. And then for you guys out there that are, are really tough and you, you don't you're not sure that you want a bandana on your dog. There's a really cool one that, that I've got with, um, it's called Flames. And it has a, a black background. And then it's got in yellows and oranges and reds, uh, flames, like tumbling flames through the whole thing. It's very cool. Um, and then uh, last, last, we've got the uh, tie-dye for those of you who are kind of in the retro uh area there they're really cute tie-dye ones so um call me i'll talk you through what's there um we've got a rainy day uh yellow raincoat again really good coverage i know i'm jumping around here but i'm running out of time and this has multiple uh sizes on it i was able to get them 19 to 24 inch um uh 24 to 29 and 18 to 19 inches uh I'm sorry, 24 to 29, 19 to 24, and 14 to 19. So this should cover anybody's dog. There Again, they're, it's a great, great cover for them. I've also gotten into hemp chews because I find they're very helpful. I've got a dog named Thor who's afraid of thunder. This is just great. And he, he's, he's made my other dog. He's taught my other dog to be afraid of thunder. So I have these. Um, they're hemp chews that are meant for calming and uh, I do give my dogs these when those storms roll in uh, they, they come in a, a jar uh, 30 of them uh, for $26 and uh, the second one of this is hemp mind for those of you who have old dogs um, these are great uh, my guy Thor again he's turning 11 and he's starting to get just a little bit um not what he used to be. So um, I have, I've been giving him these again. I, I think they're helpful. So I decided to offer them for sale as well. Um, again, they're, they're $26. You get 30 of them in there. Um, I've also picked up a cooling vest that people have been begging me for, for ages. It actually looks kind of more like a raincoat, but it covers the dog's back. It uh, cinches around their stomach, around their neck, so that it stays in place. And uh, this comes in two different sizes. Um, and this is measured differently. This is measured the girth of the dog. So you go to the widest part of their chest, you measure around. And uh, 23 to 32 inch uh, girth, and then a 30 to 40 for the bigger dogs. 
Um, and these are these are great. You just soak them in water, and I like to soak them in ice water. Make them good and cold. You wring them out. You put them on the dog, and uh, they draw the heat. There's a gel in there, and it draws the heat up off the dog. So for those of you who live in California, uh, who have visit you visit California, um, it's it's great to take one of these with you for them. And shoot, even in Pennsylvania, this summer especially, it's been darn hot. Um, okay, I'm going to try and squeeze in a few more things here. But you know what? I'm I'm going to quit now. Um, I'm going to pass it on to, to Barry if he's, yeah, he's on his way in here. He has so much to share with uh, um, electronic stuff and gadgets, and I uh, really want to give him the time to do that. So, Barry, are you are you set to go? I'm going to come in and join you right here. Oh, he's work. rolling in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so here's here's Barry Scheuer, Guide Lights and Gadgets, and he's he's the gadgets and tech guy, and um, and leather products as well. I didn't get much into leather, Barry, but oh, I know I'm, you're I'm, you're going to go get, there. Yeah, uh, you're going to get into. Oh, please. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Here's here's my uh, partner in crime, Barry Scheuer. Jay, you always do such a great job. And, yes, you did go first, and thank you for doing that so easily because we uh, we had a do not connect message that kept coming at me. So what I'm going to do in about 20 to 22 minutes is I'm going to preview a about 11 items, some things which are actually for the first time we're announcing, which is really, really exciting. Um, we do, as, as Kay probably said, we do, my, my two sides are both gadgets, but a great deal of our business is leather products now. I would estimate that between 60 and 70% of all of Guidelines business works in the leather area because we've been so good with getting manufacturers to give us the kind of relationships that make products available affordably. And that has really worked out well for us. But the gadget stuff is always intriguing. It always intrigues me. I sit up in the middle of the night prowling the internet looking for things that we can find that are workable. And I think we found something I have been looking for for almost two years. And what we now have as of literally yesterday is a an accurate talking oximeter for measuring oxygen and pulse. And I don't say this lightly because there have been a number of them on the market. The one that most people have seen before, maybe the one from Concord Medical that I think CVS has sold, that is not a particularly accurate unit. Um, again, they're going to vary a little bit, but when we get something that takes gives us the same oximeter reading twice in a row, both as to pulse rate and as to oxygen content, we are pretty happy. I'm actually going to put this on and demo it because um, it's, it, it looks like anyone you would normally get in the doctor's office. And what you will do, it's a very simple unit to use. You slip it on uh, using an index finger right now. There is a screen and one button. You will push the button, as I just did. And it usually will say to us something like, I will count down from 30 seconds. It did say keep measuring and keep still for 30 seconds. I don't know if I can do that. But we will try to do that. And again, this is a very easy unit to use. It's it's one button. It's got two AAA batteries that it uses. And that's pretty much it. 30 seconds. You're ticking. Can you see the screen? No. Your blood oxygen saturation is 98. Your pulse rate is 80. 
98, that's the exact reading I got at my PCPs this morning for my oxygen saturation rate. These you know, we're, we're still working out some of the terms with the company yet, but so we're going to do an introductory special of $65, including shipping for this unit. We call it the talking oximeter. And again, we are the medical products have sort of been our focus and really in 2021, but we're really happy to have found something that's reliable and that we think is going to work. Along that same line is sort of our second, um, sort of my favorite medical foray product, which is the non-contact talking infrared thermometer. This is not a thermometer. Many, some of you heard me before. This is not a thermometer that's available over the internet. It's not available through Amazon. It is a business-to-business -business company. They only deal with hospital chains and durable medical equipment companies. They do not sell to consumers, and they don't want to sell to consumers. Fortunately enough, and because of some of our dealing in Hong in China and in Hong Kong previously, we were able to basically get an arrangement with them about eight to ten months ago. And let me test this now. I'm putting it an inch from my forehead, and your body temperature is. That is my exact body temperature all the time. And this unit is so easy to use, it turns itself off after 10 seconds. All I'm doing is squeezing the trigger in it. We do have an audio tutorial that uh, friend and member Lisa Salinger is prepared at PCB. And I love Lisa's work. She's done both our thermometers and our blood pressure, one of our blood pressure units. Um, and I did the oximeter this morning because it's so simple. So we now actually have an audio walkthrough on that. Those are two of our three medical devices. The third is we now have two different units of talking blood pressure monitors, both which are accurate with a couple of different features. They're the same price. Oh, the thermometer is, is, um, is $50 and it's usually again 60 with shipping. So are the blood pressure units, both of them, same price. The difference is this, one of the units has memories for two individuals. So if you've got a family who's taking, who needs to take blood pressure, it can work for two individuals. The other only does one person. The other one is by the same company that makes their thermometers. And that one has a little bit larger LCD display. It has a feature I particularly like, which is that it can connect to a computer via USB, so you don't need an AC adapter with it if you've got a USB cable. They both use four AA batteries. The speech quality in both is quite good. They're both pretty close to, it's hard to tell the two apart in terms of measurements. They are both capable. If you want multiple memories, you pick one unit. If you want individual memories and perhaps a couple of other smaller things, which I'll describe if people call us, then you go with the other, but they're the same price. Those are our talking medical products. And again, we are really, really happy about the Epicenter. I didn't think it was going to happen. It now, it now has. Let me move to non-medical for a bit. Um, a number of you know and have purchased what we classify as sound boxes, which are amplification devices that don't require wires. It's like you put something on top of it and it works. We like things that are simple, especially in this context for somebody who half of the time is now forgetting what I'm actually trying to test. I'm going to turn a track on, and then I'm going to turn one of our devices on, and I'm going to show you what will happen with this. I've got two to demo today with me. The first one I'm going to show you is what I call our our sort of the, the 
the box that most people who are either starting with this or who want something really simple to use use. It's our basic model. It's a $30 model, but it works really, really well. As you are going to see in a second, I'm going to play, start playing some music. And with now, this is without the amplifier. Not very loud. I gotta get this. That it's really to me is amazing. That is only that box is about four by seven inches. It uses um let's just one use three three double A's, I think. And that is again our basic model. It's it's really rugged it doesn't have any parts that sort of like some of them have ears on the outside that you just sort of keep careful from this has the ears sort of enclosed so i call that the basic sound box model i want to show you one other it is the original unit that was made by a company in 2011 we have been able to get a small number of these and keep getting them. It is smaller. It is a three by five box, which means it's exactly the size of a Victor stream or track. And I'm going to switch, switch gears a minute with this and hopefully won't drop anything along the way. We're in a little bit of crowded space here. There we go. Okay. Okay. That was the thermometer telling us we still haven't done it right. Let me start the other one. Slightly louder, and I actually think slightly clearer. So those are two examples. We actually have five sound boxes now. One of them is stereo. Um, the little one I just showed is 55. It's harder to get for us. We can basically bind about two or three a month. Um, the stereo one is 45 right now, and we're going to do that on special for a while because we are fortunate to get a large quantity of them. There are several others that are actually rechargeable. That The one I just showed you also uses double A's. And the rechargeable ones have an on-off switch, which is nice because you know the position. The battery ones, you actually have to, um, you push a button and then you test it to make sure it's on. The best way to ensure it goes off is to push the button again and let it power down because that's what it will do. So the, the rechargeable ones are wood. Some people think they're a little bit more or less, or less portable, if you will. They have a felt bottom. They sort of look like a, like, basically a little piece of bric-a-brac that you might keep on a counter, but they both work very well. The other thing I would say is this, you can use both sets of models with a USB cable if you want to continually plug it in, but I do not recommend using the wooden, the, char the rechargeable models that way. If you're thinking about wanting to power source something continuously, go with an AC, go with the, um, what I call the plastic units, and those are the ones that use double A's. There seems to be some hum that they have not gotten out of those models, and we can't really see what you know what we can sort of do about that. So those are sound boxes. Let me move into a couple of other items. Let me move to the. I guess I'm well. One more. One more gadget item. Some of you may know what be know Beats headphones. I suspect a group, good number of people do. We love Beats headphones, both the wired and the Bluetooth versions, but they are expensive. And we, we use them ourselves. We like them. Beats made a headphone about a year ago called the Flex. And the Flex contains the Apple, the W1 chip 
for quality and reception. And we looked at that and said, that's nice. It was a $79 headphone when it came out. And they've come back and forth between $39 and $59 in various places. But they are still not much lower than that. We got very fortunate. I ended up with a wholesaler about three weeks ago who wanted to unload a huge quantity. And so for now, until we're out of them, and I think we've got about 10 of them, we're going to put these Beat Flex Bluetooths, and they're really, they're really easy. They're a wire between the two earbuds, but that's all you have. The, it has three very large buttons in the middle on a cable, and they're not going to fall out of your ears because the cable is there holding them. But these things are really good quality. We're going to be selling them for $40 plus shipping. And I'm really glad. I hope this wholesaler gets more of them. Until they do, it's sort of where we are. I think that's going to wrap it up for gadgets. I'm going to move into the leather for a bit. Next item, which I think is number six, if I'm counting right, I want to talk about neck pouches. Many of you I know have our original leather soft neck pouch that you can use with iRet and Be My Eyes. We have loved that pouch for five years. It still works. It's still great. And we still have them. It has multiple slots on it so that you can put whatever size phone you need into with the camera sticking up. And it works very, very well. Um, we've heard people use it with an iPhone 10, 11, and an iPhone SE 20, which is what I use. Uh, it's got three slots for a phone. It has a compartment in the front that's a snap. And you can use that for putting change. There's also a back compartment where people sometimes will carry a stream. Sometimes they will carry you know, a wallet, whatever. You, there's one compartment. But it is a soft leather pouch. It, you can adjust it from your waist to your throat, which is really cool, either as a strap as a luggage strap type or as a cord type, which is a round cord. And actually, we now have both models so you can choose. But we want to add a new dimension to it. Very recently, we found a somewhat stronger and I will call it a thicker and more durable neck pouch that instead of using a strap, uses a Velcro closure. And it is significantly stronger by the leather you'll know in an instant. We Instead of $15 for the first side pouches, we're going to raise this one to 20 because it is, it is a little bit of a different pouch. So if you want a little bit more durable version, that's a $20 pouch, which is still compared to lanyards and some of the other things that people sell is quite reasonable. The third neck pouch is something that really we use every day. It is a cowhide pouch from our motorcycle vendor, Jam and Leather. It has five pockets, and you can put the phone in one with the camera sticking out. Actually, you can use two different ones, but it'll be sufficient to allow for different size iPhones. And you can carry your daily essentials with this. It's still a neck pouch. It also has a crossbody strap if you want to use it, but it can be used easily as a neck pouch. It will easily allow you to wear it close to your throat or farther down. And it is extremely durable. This is a heavy-duty leather cowhide that you're going to have and use for years. So three different neck pouches at this point. Along the line of durability, this is something else you've been trying to get back in stock for quite a while. We have finally gotten the kind of leather, heavy-duty, all-terrain, carry-it-for-five-years backpack that we wanted. This is a rucksack type, meaning it's one big compartment. It does have a couple of smaller hidden spaces. But this is a... 14 by 17 by 8 inch 
backpack. The shoulder straps are comfortable. It's a very heavy duty leather. It's got a, the, the strap, I mean, it's not a strap, it's actually a flat closure with a string that closes it very, very tight. Um, it's another one of the German leather products. We love it. It's $90. And again, this is something both Kay and I use ourselves. I like their backpacks and most people have gotten it. It is a little heavy because it's a heavy duty leather and that's going to have some weight. Quickly, a couple more leather products. We, we have been carrying waist packs for five or six years now, and we keep looking for different size ones. Basically, my philosophy is I want a waist pack to be able to use with anything from small to fairly significant that I want to carry. Our newest, greatest find is a wake pack that will actually hold a 40-cell Braille display. I couldn't believe it myself. It's got an Orbit 40 in it. We also have ones that obviously hold Braille Note Touches. We have ones that will hold the new 32-cell Braille Note 6. And we also have ones that will hold a 20-cell. Different sizes, depending on what else you want to carry. But we can adapt to whatever you're looking for to carry from a quite small waist pouch, but still has enough room for your essentials for something that you can probably carry your life, your, your life with for the day. Um, and the waist pouches are ranging right now from anywhere to about 25 to about, I think about $60 at the top level. Um, but it depends on the size and features. And we can talk about that if, if you're interested. The last leather item I think I want to talk about is We've called something for about four years an everything bag because as one of our close friends said, I can put everything in it. And this was the day after showing me what she did, she then threw it at me like a football and it weighed about 10 pounds and it hit me. But that was just, yes, this will hold anything I want to carry in it. Um, we have found a new version of that because we've had some supply chain interruptions. This, what I will call, this is a little bit of an everything plus bag. It is a tiny bit smaller and it is more squared off rectangularly. It's got more square corners, if you will. It's about half an inch smaller. It still holds a braille display, a 20 cell braille display, and it's got six other compartments. It's got phone. It's got compartment. You can put an orbit writer in it. You can put a wallet into it. You can put a stream in it. This is a bag that's made for carrying very inexpensively about, you know, six or seven different items if you need to. Headphones, whatever you want for the day. It is both a crossbody bag and a shoulder bag. It's got a 28-inch crossbody drop strap. There are two versions. One of them has one center compartment, meaning if I'm going to carry a 20-cell display, it goes in there. But if you want a little bit bigger, a little bit more roomy bag, there are two full-length and with center compartments. The difference in pricing is slight. The one center compartment is 25, and the two center compartment is 35. I'm going to stop there. I want to give. I, I want to put some contact info, which I know is circulated, but in case people don't have it, we didn't start out with it. Um, K is guidelightdogs at gmail.com. I am bshoyer.gadgetsandtech, T-E-C-H, all spelled out, at gmail.com. That's a new email for me. We're using it just for guidelights and gadgets to try and sort of keep the traffic down. The website is www.guidelightsandgadgets.us. Kay and I love the most talking to people. We love customers. We love to talk to people. And both of us do a significant part of our business 
through phone orders. We do not do internet e-commerce. We've stopped it before, and I really don't want to restart it because people get things they think they want, and then they don't want them. And in this kind of time with COVID, you really don't want to be taking exchange as much as possible. Um, so the phone numbers are, for K, it is 781-286-1696, and it's, for me, 617, the old Boston area code, 969-7500. And again, we look forward to, we've, we've got lots of Pennsylvania customers we have for years. We love this affiliate. Um, we wish we were live. Hopefully next year we will be so that we can bring all this stuff to you. And I think that, does that give us enough time for some questions? I think it does. We actually have 15 minutes left. I think that's amazing. We have 15 minutes left over, Gary. Um, so if people have questions, if they don't, we can add a couple of supplemental things to it. But let's open for questions, Tom, if uh, that's that's workable. We have um, Jonah. That would be me. Hi, this is Jonah. Um, I have a question about the different um, leather pouches because I have the neck pouches because I've been looking for one for a long time. Um, can you tell me if the so I have an iPhone SE. If I put that in the um, pouch, do I need to take it out of the wallet case that I already have it in, number one? You do not. You do not. I use an SE. Is this a first-generation SE or second-generation? Second. Okay. I use mine in a battery case, and it fits perfectly and beautifully on the mid-level compartment, and it goes with me every day with the camera facing up and above. Okay, second question. Is there a closure of some sort to hold that phone in the pouch? Like, let's say I'm bending over to clean up after my dog. Is the phone going to slip out of that pouch? It will not guarantee. Well, uh, let me explain it this way. Each of the sections, each of the compartments uses a zipper. But the zipper is not, it's not closing it like 100%, but it's closing it up to the phone. Um, what I would suggest you do is if you're going to bend down, I would take the SE, I would put it in the deepest pocket for about 30 seconds just to be safe, and then go put it back down, reuse it. Because that way, the slipper, the zipper actually may even go over it and will protect it. Okay. Um, which one do you recommend if I want to use it um, as a pouch for my phone, but also want to carry like my keys, maybe my Port Authority Transit card, um, maybe, you know, an extra mask. I, I would go for the newer version of the softer pouch. It is a little bit bigger. It's got a little bit more resistance. And I think it's going to, would again, for the, and also I like Velcro closures, although Kay reminds me quite correctly that if that gets dog fur and stuff in it, it's going to be, you got to keep cleaning the Velcro closure. Exactly. Off. But so you could, you could go with the other one. The other one, the other, the first one I talked about is our most popular item, Jonah. We've sold close to 800 of them. And so we know pretty well that it works. Um, the second one is really new to us. We just found it. It's from the same company. It's a little bit sturdier. And then the third one, again, is a much heavier duty. The third one is not if you're just going to do a quick walk with your dog. The third one is if you're basically doing a couple of errands and you want to just have something with a fair amount of stuff in it. So I either go with the first or the second. Um, okay, because you're saying the third one is the one with the Velcro? No, the second one is the one with the Velcro. That's sort of the upgraded first generation. The third one is a very heavy-duty five-pocket multi-pouch. It's a lot, It's also double the price. It's a $40 pouch. It is It is meant to be much more for a, for a call it a full-stage trip. Okay, uh, my name is uh, Todd. Uh, um, I have a question for Tate real quick. Why would a guide dog need a tire? 
Why would I'm sorry? I didn't quite catch that. I thought I thought you said um, when you're doing your presentation that people were asking for a tire for a guide dog. That's what I thought you said. I could have misheard you though. No tire. I think I said a tire, meaning meaning things they wear. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. Okay. Thank you so much. I, I can I, see I where that would be confusing. <laughs> Sorry about that, Todd. Okay. No problem. It's not your fault. It's mine because I misheard you. All right. I never I never thought about I never thought about that possibility. I'll be more articulate next time. I know what both of us forgot though. Yeah. We forgot something that a lot of people have bought in the last three months upon site when they've either walked or felt it when they've been in a meeting or even just because they hear a description. We have found, in our view, the first non-collapsing telescopic right. canes that actually work. And when I mean non-collapsing, they, they don't lock, but it is it is an aluminum cane that utilizes seven sections, either a 48 or a 59 inch. Now, that's the top length, but you can decrease them to pretty much any length you want because they will stay very compact, very tight. The joints, uh, part of the reason is that the joints are hexagonal as well as being round. In other words, you've got six joints around each section of the cane, and that friction is pretty much what holds the sections in place. If you hit this thing or use it as a support cane, yes, it's going to collapse. It's not meant for that. But if you are simply tapping and even running into things, it may come down two or three inches to shorten it because obviously, you know, the Newton's law of uh, Newton's law of reaction and opposite reaction. But this is a cane that does not collapse. And that to us is a it's a really wonderful thing. We have, we, we found this literally by accident. It is really not carried in the country that we know of. But um, we keep getting we, we keep getting quantities. The cane is actually made in India. And it's a, it's probably, frankly, one of the best Indian products we've seen. It's extremely sturdy. It uses it brings you two tips. The larger model, the 59, comes in an actual flute case, a hard shell. I don't know why they put it in that. Probably adds to the price. Um, the the canes are fifty dollars, and they will be that way probably through the end of the year. We don't make a lot on those, to be honest. I just I can't get the manufacturer yet to do large quantity purchasing in the hundreds, which is what I think it would take. But we've already done about a hundred of them. If again, if you use anything shorter than uh, fifty-two, you may want the forty-eight length. If you use it longer, it's going to be a 59. They use a mushroom tip, so it's a drag tip. It's not a ball tip. It's a mushroom. It comes with two tips, and we will have additional refill re replacements for that. Um, there is a way, although it's going to take a little bit of technical versatility, to actually put an Ambutech-type tip on the cane. Uh, our friend Rocky Gomez at the Lighthouse in San Francisco has done it, but Rocky seems to know how to do everything and is well beyond us in that one. I haven't tried that one yet, either K or I have. But we do have the canes. We love them. Every time we get on the people, people love them because it doesn't collapse and it's so, and it's sturdy and it's a really pretty good and easy cane to use. Any more questions we got out there? No more questions. All right. We, we usually do not finish. Okay. You want anything more to add about toys or about things you didn't get to? Well, again, I, I really encourage people when it comes to toys, I've got lots of toys. I really try to um, focus on things that are tough, you know, because we all have that. We all have that desire. But uh, that being said, 
some dogs are much softer than others and uh, would prefer to snuggle their toys. And for those, we've got options as well. Um, I encourage people, call me. Uh, one of the things Barry and I are both really good at is taking the time to find out what the customer is looking for and why. Um, so, for example, I would someone says they're looking for a dog toy. I'd say, tell me about your dog. Does your dog like to retrieve or tug, or do you like to retrieve or tug? Um, also, what breed is your dog? What si- what size is your dog? In other words, how much do they weigh? Um, what are their are they tough chewers or are they gentle? So we go through this whole list for me to find out about their dog and the kind of toy that they're looking for and will be will hold up to the dogs. I mean nothing is a <laughs> nothing is a one hundred percent given, but we get we get real close. Um and I'm I'm really it's because of the time that customers will spend with me to really describe what it is they're looking for. Barry, same way. Um and this is Again, this is the principle of our company. We want to talk to our customers. We want to help you find the right thing for your dog or the right piece for your, um, the right leather piece, say, to fit your technology or the right kind of headphone to use. If either of us really feels that the thing you're looking for is is not what we offer, or even if from your description, we find that it you might not be successful with it. It might not be. It might be something that ends up on a shelf. We we don't sell those things to you. In all of our products, we have tested ourselves, or we've had other people test them. Barry had mentioned the cane. Um, we have a friend out in Colorado who is a big time traveler. And that guy put hours and hours and hours on his cane, and he was just thrilled with it. It it, uh, it he, didn't collapse. He put 50 miles on that cane, actually. Yeah. He, he kept reporting to me, it's still not collapsing yet. I just realized, you know what, we didn't mention one other thing quickly. Okay. We oh. didn't mention our Daisy Player equivalent com- oh, com- yeah. with the stream. That's a good one. The Evo 10 Player, we waited six years to do this until they finally put an internet radio app and a podcasting app on it. It is a player that is about two-thirds the size of a stream. It uses Evona voices like Amazon uses for bookshare books. It's remarkable. It doesn't do BARD. We're not, we didn't, it would have been taken too long and the company didn't want to support it. But it does take bookshare books if you put them on a card, Bookshare Daisy, and the reading quality is great. It also has lots of other accessory applications for that you will never see on a humanware product. Example, there is a sound editor. You can actually take your recording made on the Evo 10 or made on another machine. You can put that card into the machine and you can actually edit. Not not a lot of editing, not gold wave. But if you want to copy, cut, paste sections of a presentation, I've done this myself. You can do it. 
It's simple editing, but to have a sound editor right in the unit that you're using is pretty neat. It has a lot of other features too, and those are also $150 cheaper than a Victor Stream right now. They're $250. We are hoping we don't get any more. Unfortunately, we've been dealing with tariffs from China lately, and the last one was about 40 bucks per unit. If they throw another one on top of it, I don't know what we'll do, but we're going to find a way. Um, it comes with a lot of accessories. It comes with a good set of headphones in addition to the ones that come with it, because I think people should have that. They're actually made by iLove. It comes with an additional SD card card or own 32 gig card it, and those two additional accessories uh, we feel you know it's 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 what you're going to want we may supply it with a different charger depending on some of the chargers we get with the product i test them out first if they're not working we supply the the wall warp charger it does use a mini usb cable which is different in some ways i like it better it's the old throwback but it does go in and it stays and doesn't have that little bumps on it but it is called the Evo 10 player. It is our daisy player. If you want to talk more, call us and either, either Kay or I can, can tell you more about it. And we have, we, and also it's distributed by Mystic Access. You really, and, and frankly, Chris and, Chris and Kim love the Evo. They, they have done the tutorial for it. It's 11 hours long. It's a full blow. Every little, application on this thing they go through in detail they yeah, do their that, great job and that tutorial does come with the pack oh yeah 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 one other thing you didn't mention was the um the entry the orbit uh, writer yes we we are an orbit dealer we are one of the two national um orbit i guess dealers that serve the, the u.s not as a catalog company and we do carry all three all well we carry the orbit rider 40 the orbit rider 20 but what we do uniquely and we concentrate on is the orbit rider bundle we have we decided that taking an orbit rider without certain accessories there was no tutorial with it there was no really getting go and learn guide i had lisa salinger again just so wonderful what she does do about a 52 minute tutorial for the orbit rider which will get you started we then made our own case a traveling case for it we took one of our phone cases i call it the orbit to go case where we use one of our phone cases that will also hold the orbit and then found a way to attach permanently Velcro that you could use the orbit to walk around with it and use it literally while you're walking. And when you want to put it back, it's got a 15 pound Velcro pull on it. So it's not going to fall off. It is very sturdy. You flip it back in the case and zip it up. So you can take your phone. It's a full, that's a full solution for a Bluetooth keyboard and a phone. You also come with one of our neck pouches, the tutorial. And again, the, the case that's, that's, that's the to go case. That is a $150 bundle. If you buy it with the writer, I've decided this morning as I've thought about it. We are going to start selling the bundle separately. We have not done this before, except in a couple of exceptions. But if people want the bundle and they already own an Orbit Rider, call us because we will sell the, bu the bundle separately. So you'll get all of those items for $50 plus shipping. And I Barry, think Barry, Barry, I have to cut you off, but I want to thank both you and Kian for participating. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We really enjoy doing this. Well, on behalf of the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind, we really appreciate your support, and I hope that your presentation today will generate a lot of sales. Thank, Thank you again. You. Thank you. Now I'd like to introduce the Guide Dog Foundation. We have, from New York, we have two representatives who will be talking to us about what they offer and the services they provide. The first is Lauren Berglund. She is the Consumer Relations Coordinator. And the second is Addie Yake, 
a field service representative. Lauren, are you ready to go? We are. Thank you. So hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Lauren. I am the Consumer Relations Coordinator at the Guide Dog Foundation and America's Vet Dogs. Um, And today with me is Addie. She's a field service representative. Um, The Guide Dog Foundation and America's Vet Dogs are sister nonprofit organizations that place guide and service dogs with blind individuals, veterans, and first responders. I'm going to tell you a little bit about our programs and then tell you about our guide dog program specifically. So the Guide Dog Foundation was started in 1970, 19, sorry, it's our 75th birthday. Um, we were started in 1946 and are located in Smithtown, New York. And we provide highly trained guide dogs free of charge to people who are blind or have low vision. We were actually the first assistance dog school in the United States to be accredited by both the International Guide Dog Federation and Assistance Dogs International. In 2003, we started our sister nonprofit, America's Vet Dogs, also located in Smithtown, New York. Through America's Vet Dogs, we train and place assistance dogs for veterans and first responders with disabilities. These are guide dogs, service dogs, service dogs for PTSD, facility dogs, and combat operational stress control dogs. All of our dogs are placed free of charge, even though it costs over $50,000 to breed, raise, train, and place just one assistance dog. We are completely funded through private donations, grants, and other types of funding. So what is a guide dog? A guide dog is a dog who's partnered with a person who's blind or has low vision. And a guide dog is trained to find and follow a clear path, maneuver around obstacles, stop at curbs and other changes in elevation, and safely navigate traffic and practice intelligent disobedience. So what does that mean? A guide dog obviously can't tell you when the light is green, but what they can do is navigate that traffic pattern and determine when it's safe to cross or more likely when it's not safe to cross. So what this means with practicing intelligent disobedience is that when a handler listens to the traffic and they believe it's safe to cross and tells the dog forward, if the dog disagrees, maybe because there's a silent car or a car turning that the handler doesn't hear, the dog actually will not go forward. This skill is not foolproof, but it is something that our dogs are taught. So what can a guide dog foundation dog do for you? Like I said, our dogs will stop for obstacles or avoid obstacles. They will stop for curbs. They identify overhead obstacles like tree branches or other um, overhead obstacles like I'm short. So for me, it's those racks in stores always hit me in the head. Um, But with my guide dog, she's really great and she moves me around them. They'll also identify steps and help you with determining the depth of steps. Um, We do something called step identification. So your dog will actually stop at the top of the steps and then take one step down with their front paws to help you identify the depth and width of the step. And then as you take that one step down with them, Um, They will then continue down the rest of the steps. This really helps with unfamiliar steps to help you feel more confident in determining the width and depth of the steps. They can also identify familiar destinations. In college, my guide dog could find all of my classrooms. She found really important things like the coffee shop, 
She could find the bathroom in many buildings. She could find my friend's dorm rooms. She could find really just about anything I would need. Um, Trash cans, benches, bus stops, anything of that sort. And if I needed her to find something new, I could use the clicker and food rewards to teach her those things using something called the find command. We also teach our dogs how to target doors, elevators, escalators, seats, and many other things. Um, Also, the audible pedestrian signals. Certain things that our dogs learn that are specific to the Guide Dog Foundation is called leash guiding. Um, This is not to replace harness guiding, but leash guiding is where a dog can actually do their job on the leash. It's not to be used when crossing streets or out in public but it can be used for like going to your mailbox or going from your hotel room out to do a busy break. Or I used it in college from my dorm room out to a busy break. It's good for short walks or maybe around an unfamiliar place like someone's house when you're visiting. Um, Other things our dogs do are practice intelligent disobedience, like stopping for the train platform edge or stopping for cars like we talked about. So to be a guide dog handler, you must be legally blind, be an independent traveler that has had orientation and mobility skills training and cross the streets independently, have practical and purposeful routes for a dog to work, and you must be able to trust and allow a dog to do its work. And then you must be 16 years of age. We do consider younger people on a case-by-case basis. There is no upper age limit. We'll go into all of these things a little bit more um, in detail just now. So these are some characteristics for success as a guide dog handler. Age. So again, an individual has to be 16 years of age. That being said, we do consider younger candidates on a case-by-case basis. If someone can demonstrate a high level of responsibility and independence, we will take them at a younger age, like 14 or 15. We do take clients um, up into their 80s and 90s. So we've placed guide dogs with individuals who are much older and but are still independent travelers. So obviously, an individual needs to be legally blind. Someone who has a visual acuity of 2200 or less in the best eye with the best correction or a visual field of 20 degrees or less. We also want someone who is currently mobile and physically capable. So what does this mean? This means a successful client has at least three routes that they're familiar with. These can be related to a job, school, errands, or exercise and pleasure. Students need to be physically capable of walking two to three routes, typically about 20 to 30 minutes in destination or in duration. It's totally okay if They need to take breaks during these routes. Um, That's totally acceptable. And it's okay if these routes are needing to be adjusted to meet someone's physical needs. You also have to have the physical ability to handle a dog and manage a guide dog. So the ability to hold a harness handle and to hold a leash. When we look at established orientation and mobility skills, we're looking at someone who can demonstrate the ability to self-correct if veering, 
as well as crossing street skills and understanding of typical intersections and traffic patterns. We want someone who has the functional orientation on their routes and the demonstration to be able to use those skills. We also want someone's routes to have significant enough work so that a guide dog can maintain their skills. A successful candidate also has a safe and supportive home environment. They have access to the resources required to maintain a guide dog's ongoing health and well-being. This is approximately $100 a month. This doesn't mean you're going to spend $100 every month, but this means that once you divide it out over a year, in some months you might be spending more money, like in the month that your dog needs their vaccines, or maybe you need to buy some new bones one month. Um, it's approximately $100. And then you have to have the motivation to train and work with a guide dog for the long term. Guide dogs work around eight years. So you have to be willing to maintain that long-term partnership. How do we make a guide dog? Well, it starts with a puppy and it ends with a life changed. So it starts in our breeding department. Our dogs are bred from our breeding stock and through our cooperative breeding efforts through Assistance Dogs International. We use Labrador Retrievers, Golden Retrievers, Labrador Golden Crosses, and Standard Poodles for those with allergies. Our breeder dogs live in volunteer homes on Long Island. The next step is the puppy raising program. Puppy raisers play a vital role in the development of future assistance dogs. They start with an eight-week-old puppy, care for, teach, and socialize them until they're about 14 to 18 months old. These puppy raisers go through the socialization of the puppy and will teach it basic obedience, um, expose it to different stimuli, uh, everything from how to act in the home, how to act in public, all the different things that the puppy needs to learn so that it's ready for formal training. During formal training, they spend at least 12 weeks with a qualified guide dog mobility instructor or one of our guide dog apprentices and learn their formal guide dog tasks. They are then placed with a qualified individual during an intensive two-week training class. We'll talk more about that in a moment. This happens on our campus in Smithtown and throughout the local community. So after they go for formal training, they're matched with their person. When we match dog with a person, there's a lot we look at. We look at the pace or the speed a person walks, their capacity for control. So how much of dog can they handle? Can they handle a dog that's like my dog? That's a little crazy, if we're honest. Or do they need a dog that's a little more calm and collected? Do they live in an urban environment or are they more rural? Do they have a crazy busy life or do they retired and they're just more of a low-key kind of life? Is their routine active? Are they go, go, go? Or are they more of an office-type environment where the dog just needs to chill? Do they have any preferences? Do they want a male dog or a female dog? Or do they require a poodle? The next step after we find a suitable dog match is residential training. Residential training or home training is the next step. During residential training or home training, both last for two weeks. Residential training takes place on our campus in Smithtown, New York. Classes are about six to eight students with a two to one instructor to student ratio. 
We have chef prepared meals, housekeeping staff, comfortable and spacious rooms with Wi-Fi, with single private rooms and bathrooms. Um, during training, we have smaller class sizes that allow for more individualized instruction and attention to per personal preferences and needs within training. We use food reward and positive reinforcement training techniques, and we have a large availability for training diversity, both urban environments like New York City, rural areas without sidewalks or sidewalkless travel, and suburban areas. Our dogs are provided free of charge, so there's no cost for transportation, training, meals, or anything involved within the training process. During the first week of training, we focus on the fundamentals. We work on our lecture series or our adult learning series, where we're able to cover a lot of information needed within the process. So you learn how dogs think, how they learn. You learn how to groom your dog. We cover all of the basics. We also do something called Juno walks, where you use a short handle and your instructor acts as the dog so that we can work on assessing your pace. You can practice foot footwork, positive reinforcement, and performance management, all without the extra stress of having a dog within this within the situation. We also have on-campus training activities and opportunities with our on-campus obstacle course and our van routes, where we're able to practice real-life situations without the extra stress of the environment um, in the community. So we can practice dog distractions, food distractions, and people distractions in our controlled environment. During week two is customization. So we can do New York City, we can do rural training, we can ride the train, the bus, the subway, the ferry, private vehicle, anything an individual does in their daily life, we customize their training during week two to focus on it. So whether you go to the supermarket, the pet store, the gym, hiking, college campuses, the horse farm, during my training, someone went to a chicken farm, anything that you need to do, we will do for you. At the end of week two, we have something called Celebration Saturday, where it's an opportunity to meet your puppy raiser and your sponsor. So if you are better fit for home training, um, this is something where an instructor actually comes and works with you in your home environment. They'll stay in a local hotel and you'll stay in your house uh, with the dog. This is also two weeks and is done on an as-needed or case-by-case -case basis. We also do home training for any individual under the age of 18. This also allows clients to continue working and or attend school part-time during training. Or if they have um, any type of needs like to care for a young child or an aging parent, um, these are also reasons we may do home training. So some things that make Guide Dog Foundation a little bit unique. We have a two-week class structure. Some programs have classes up to four weeks in length. Our two-to-one instructor-to-student ratio allows us to really customize each training to the individual. We are close to Manhattan that allows us for city training, but we can also do rural training. We, allow leash guide, we have leash guiding and step identification, our on-campus obstacle course and van routes, and our aftercare and field service representative support that is available with our both in-home and phone, email, and video support. So if you're interested, what's the basic criteria for admission? 
it's kind of what we talked about with that basic criteria, that uh, criteria for success. So you have to be legally blind. You have to be an independent traveler with practical and purposeful roots. And you have to be at least 16 years old. Well, what's the process for applying? The first step is the part one application. This can be done on our website, over the phone with me, or by the mail. The next step is a pre-screen phone call done by one of our field service representatives like Addie. Um, this is where they'll get some more information like your daily travel or things like that um, about your daily travel. The next step is part two of the application. This includes a medical report, an eye report, an orientation and mobility specialist report, um, and an application video. There's also a couple other small forms. And then there's a home or in-person interview or a phone interview, just kind of depending on where you live um, and depending on just kind of on a case-by-case basis. So after you get your dog, we don't just send you on your way and say best of luck. We continue to support you after you return home. So we'll support you for the lifetime of your team. Our field service representatives and graduate support teams provide aftercare support and work with your O&M instructors for continued success. Our customer service team or consumer support teams and graduate support teams offer comprehensive support to help with transitioning to successor dog and also just in your day-to-day life as an assistance dog team. We also have veterinarian support and canine care support to help with any questions you may have. That's all I have for you today. Um, I do have my contact information and I'll go ahead and speak it slowly um, and then um, we'll be available for questions. Um, but my phone number is 516-479-4873. So that's 516-479-4873. Four eight seven three, and the email to reach us is consumer services at guidedog.org. Consumer services at guidedog.org, and our application or more information can be found at guidedog.org. Hi, this is Sue Lickenfels. I'm a on the panelist side. Can you tell us a little bit more about the training? Maybe Abby can speak to that. About like class training or about how the dogs are trained? How the dogs are trained. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure Addie can speak more to that um, for sure. Hi, Sue. This is Addie. Um, are you just kind of curious about just like a summary of harness training? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. So the dogs um, typically come in for formal harness training after they've been raised by a razor um, around like 15 to 18 months. And when they come into harness training, they're introduced, they'll have one instructor for the whole 12 weeks plus. um, And that's typically the case. And they'll be introduced to a clicker um, and they'll start learning all of the very fundamental um, guide work basics through patterning. So patterning just means that we show them the right answer and then we're clicking the end result. So kind of communicating um, that they were successful, even though we showed them and then they get a kibble 
for that end result. So every time we click, we give them food. Um, so we start with the foundational skills. And then when a dog starts demonstrating that they're doing well with that, we'll start incorporating some blindfold work just to ensure that, um, that when the instructor is under blindfold, that the dog is understanding these very foundational skills. And when they're ready to progress, then they start being introduced to more complex work. So things like a busier environment with more pedestrians or um, learning how to respond to traffic threats or working in an area without sidewalks. Um, as they start progressing through training more and more, they'll, they'll kind of have a compromise of um, for new things, they'll still be patterned and shown the right answer and clicked and rewarded for those right answers. And then they, as they start developing more confidence and knowing the answers themselves, then the instructor starts backing off and lets them do more of the work. Um, so they're starting to respond more like a handler without vision. So, um, you know, sometimes when we're without vision, we might feel more adamant that this is the right direction and the dog is saying this direction. So getting the dog used to um, a level of confidence that they're willing to put up a fight to go a certain direction or things like that. Um, so by the time that they're in 12 weeks of training, then they're ready for more advanced tests under blindfold. So they'll be tested um, with the instructor under blindfold for things like a complex city route and a building route and an area without sidewalks um, and a route with traffic threats, um, things like that. So once they pass all those tests, then they're considered ready to be placed with a handler. And then that's when we would start looking at a good match with a handler. Um, and then we have some time to start customizing the dog to that handler. So if that handler has a very specific environment, we have some time to start getting the dog in that environment more often than it was in training or, or what have you. So that's, that's a brief summary. Does that answer your question or do you have more questions based off of that? How much time um, do the puppies spend with the uh, puppy raisers before they come to you for the rest of the training? Lauren, do you know, do dogs typically come into training at 15 to 18 months? Yeah. So they go to their puppy raiser at about, the goal is eight weeks old. And then they come to us between 14 and 18 months old. So however much time between eight weeks and 14 to 18 months old. They might spend some time in a finishing home. Um, so they might not spend that whole block of time with one razor. We actually don't want them to spend that whole block of time with one razor because we don't want them to not to attach, but we, we want them to experience being handled by different people. So they might spend that time with multiple razors or in multiple homes or spend time in what we would call like puppy camps. So spend, they might have one primary razor, but camp with other razors or spend their weekends with other razors or spend some time in a finishing home just so that they're most well-rounded and have the most experiences. Thank you. If there are no other questions, I do have another one. Absolutely. Um, is, is there any way that this, the guide dog program differs from um, the vet side of the organization and that the training for veterans. Yeah. So there is a few different ways. Um, we actually, most of our vet dogs puppies are raised in the prisons. We do have one, um, we have one guide dog prison 
Um, but most of our puppies that come into our vet dogs programs are raised in the prison. Um, the vet dogs training cycle is also longer than 12 weeks. Um, I, off the top of my head, cannot remember how long it is, unfortunately. And so I do apologize for that. Um, our veterans do also attend a two week training course, but there is a larger number of them when they come in for training. Um, and there's also more of them to the instructors. Um, uh, it is also an individualized type of training, but it's a little bit different. Obviously, the tasks we're training those dogs for is different. The application process is a little bit different. The follow-up is slightly different because um, part of our ADI accreditation includes certain follow-up requirements for our service dog teams, um, especially our PTSD teams that are not requirements for our guide dog teams. So there are some differences there. Um, our dogs are still trained with positive reinforcement on both sides um, and food rewards on both sides. Um, I'm trying to think about any other major differences. Um, puppies can move between both programs. So just because a dog was raised in the prison isn't going to guarantee it's staying on the guide dog side or staying on the vet dog side. And the same thing if it's raised as a guide dog doesn't guarantee it's going to be a guide dog. It might move over to the service dog side because we want to make sure that that dog is getting the best placement possible for its skill set and for its whatever it wants to do. Hopefully that kind of answers your question. Yes, thank you. I don't know, Addie, do you want to share what you do as a field service representative? Sure, yeah. So my name is Addie Yake, and I'm a field service representative out in Washington State. Um, and as a field service representative, we're just here to support clients and graduates um, from the very beginning to the very end of their experience at the Guide Dog Foundation. So um, like Lauren said earlier, I would be... The me or another field service representative would be the one who calls and follows up on just that initial simple application that a potential client fills out and reviews the application and gets to know them. Um, and then along with consumer services, helps that person through their application process. Um, a field service representative or even an instructor from campus may come out and interview the person in person and walk around and show them uh, Juno, which is the guide dog simulation that Lauren mentioned. And then once a client goes to class and comes home with a new dog, then that's when the field service representatives can really um, play a role in just supporting the clients and having a successful career with that dog. Um, so it can be anything from a quick phone call or FaceTime to work on something to us coming out and seeing a team in person. Um, and we're just a phone call away the whole lifetime or career span of the dog. And so that means that we can also be here to support someone if they're considering retiring the dog and maybe getting another dog. Um, so that's kind of what a field service representative does um, in a summarized fashion. If anyone has any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. This is Doug Hunsinger. I'm part of the panel. How, how wide a territory do you specifically cover? Hi, Doug. Um, we actually don't have like super strict territories. 
Um, but obviously it's, it's going to be a lot more convenient for me to visit someone in the Pacific Northwest than another representative who lives in Florida or something. Um, but yeah, I don't have like a strict territory, but, um, so I might, I might call a client who's on the East coast, but in terms of visiting a client, I'm probably more likely to visit a client that's going to be, um, in the Pacific Northwest or, or, or the Western portion of Canada as well. And have you ever had situations where I'm assuming you see, um, postgraduates as well, where you had to recommend the trainer come out and do things to maybe help the situation? Yeah. So if, if there's an issue um, that a team's experiencing in the field, um, there's kind of like some steps that we'll take in order to start working on that issue. So um, we talk through some potential fixes. If it it's, if it seems like someone needs to come out, then we, we definitely come out as soon as we can. Um, And that would most likely be a field service representative that would come out and start working with the team. And that might mean that um, I stay a week or something. We work on the issue every day, something like that. And if there's, a challenge that maybe the 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 dog is doing something where like it's training something happened with its training and it's causing a safety issue or something like that there are some very rare scenarios that maybe we would take the dog back to campus and um reevaluate if the dog is still acceptable to be a guide dog and then retrain um whatever issue it was uh and then the client can take that dog back it's considered sufficient again um but yeah that's a little rare typically if there's an issue in the field we can fix it in the field and that's our preference our field service representatives are certified guide dog mobility instructors so they are trainers i don't know that we said oh wow that. oh yeah that's yeah. a good point yeah <laughs> yes so i don't know that we said that i don't think Addie and i actually really introduced our background so i come to the table i work um on the people side. So I'm, I'm a handler. I am on my second dog. Um, and I work on the people side. So as the consumer relations coordinator, my job is to support our applicants and graduates through direct support channels, phone, email support, text support, um, etc. And then also do outreach support events like this, um, presentations, advocacy and awareness, all that kind of stuff. Whereas I'm the one that then connects them to people like Addie when they have an issue. So they call me, they tell me, hey, Lauren, I'm having this issue with sniffing distractions. Could you please connect me with my field rep? And then I do that. And then their field rep, who is a certified guide dog mobility instructor, will then connect with them and either get it through a video visit or a in-person visit and then can help them through that issue. Um, And the other thing, um, I know people always, you know, all of you share stories and things like that. And people always ask you about the bad things, but for each of you, (laughs) can you share something that is like really a rewarding experience that you've had? Maybe a story about something really neat. That would be kind of fun to hear. So didn't mean to I'll catch go. off guard. <laughs> no, that's fine. I can think of one thing because I, I, I save the voicemail. I keep the voicemail on my phone. And every time when I'm having a bad day, I listen to this voicemail. So it was the first applicant that I really helped for. So I've only been doing this for, it'll be two years um, next week. 
And so it, it was the first person that I really helped from that absolute first phone call through the whole process and is now working their dog. And so it was, I, I helped them from that initial first phone call to, hey, I'm interested in a dog. What do I do now? Through, we did the initial application together on the phone through, I walked them through the rest of the application process to, they actually had a home training with one of my favorite instructors who actually did both of my trainings. So it was kind of cool. Um, and um, then they called me and they left me this super sweet message, um, just thanking me for all the help throughout the process. And so that is one of my like just pick me ups that I have is this voicemail from this this consumer, this graduate um, that just left. We call them warm fuzzies in my office is you got to keep the warm fuzzies around for the hard days. Um, and so for me, it's it's that voicemail from that that graduate who who thanked me for the help that I gave him throughout the process of the application. And now that he has graduated, um, every time he calls, he's just a joy to speak with because he's just so animated and so great. That's, That's pretty really neat. Sweet. Thank you. <laughs> I think my story would be like a little more generalized because it's thankfully happened quite often. And it's um, more in respect to when I was working as a guide dog mobility instructor on campus, but um there's a lot of times that you assume that when a dog is going to go to a new handler, it's going to be a hard transition for them because they're used to working for one person. And, you know, that team does things one way and there's some truth to that. And that's why we have that bonding time during class. But it's, there's also a really common trend where I'm, I'm sighted. So I'm sure you could assume when I'm blindfolded, I'm a mess. Um, And so it's very often that when you hand a dog that you trains to a new client, by the end of class, their their teamwork is 20 times more beautiful than you ever got with that dog, um, which I always love to see just like, because it's very reassuring that that dog, you know, has found its right fit, its right match. Um, that's where it's meant to be. Well, the hog has one more here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, I, I'm just wondering, do, do you guys, does uh, Guide Dog Foundation do anything with like exercise or running, teaching the dog to the guy doing that kind of thing? Or is that even safe? <laughs> so we do not have any type of running guide program or anything of that sort. Um, we do, we will take clients. So like, let's say you like to go to the gym or you do yoga or any of that stuff. We commonly will take clients to their yoga class or their gym or all of that stuff and work with teaching the dog how to work in those environments. Um, we have a lot of graduates who are um, athletes in one sort of the other, whether it's goalball, swimming, um, beat baseball. We have a couple of graduates that run track. And so it's how can the dog work in those environments or in a lot of those environments, your dog just has to have this really solid downstay because they don't work in that environment while you're participating in that sport. Um, so we kind of work on instead how do we train these dogs so that they can not become a hindrance when our graduates are participating in their activities, but so they can still use their dog to get to and from their activities. 
So that's kind of a non-answer to your question, but we don't have a running guide program. I have one question. Over the past year or so, we've been involved with COVID. How has this infected, affected the waiting list for getting a guide dog? It's a great question. So actually, we were able to, except for a few months where we had to kind of stop placements altogether, we then switched to home placements where we actually have only had two or three on-campus classes since COVID started. But we were doing home placements to help us continue placing dogs and getting people off the list. So we actually are, our wait time hasn't increased throughout COVID because we were continuing to be able to get people off the list and placements through home placements. So it has not affected our wait time. It did affect the wait time for people already on the list. But for new people coming onto the list, it has not affected the wait time. Very good, because I'll be putting my application in for another guide dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and our wait time, just kind of something that's somewhere in that presentation or that, that talk, usually it's a question. Our wait time right now is about 9 to 12 months. But for returning graduates, they're top priority, so it's much sooner than that. And we are actually um, working on, we've, we're assisting with a presentation Um tomorrow. I don't have the time off the top of my head, so I'm pulling up my calendar. Um, so if you want to hear us blabber again, um, it'll also, I'll be communicating with my um, graduate support manager. It'll be 2.45 tomorrow. Um, you can hear us present again. Um, we're going to be talking kind of about the bond between a guide dog and handler and about transition and retirement and all of that stuff. Um, so please feel free to to listen in. This is Doug. I have one more question. Um, mm-hmm. b- back in the like late 70s, I've had friends that have had guide dogs from your school, and you were the first ones that I ever heard that taught dogs to find command, like find the chair, find the table, etc. And I thought that was such a neat thing do you know how those kind of commands like how do they how do they implement new commands or or what how do they get ideas to do them Ooh. <laughs> i can take um, this one if you want one. yeah please <laughs> so um in training i'm going to make up a number but in training we really only train you know like five maybe up to seven like find commands um but it's more the bigger process is that we're teaching a dog um, the concept of learning a new thing to find. So we get them very used to learning how to find something new. And then when a client comes to class, part of the training that they receive is how to train a find command. That way they can go home and train the dog to find whatever is important to them. So that might be uh, the cafe door, that might be a toilet seat. Um, and it, they can kind of take that command wherever they want to. I kind of thought that was the case. Um, I don't have a guide dog now, but I did from another school. And I thought, well, I can probably teach this. And I did. <laughs> I taught my dog to find the mailboxes, uh, you know, outside if I needed to mail a letter or something. So I thought that was pretty neat. That was one of the things that really impressed me about your school. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it is a great command. This is Sue again. Um, my question, another one is, um, how many versus how many applicants do you get per year that actually you can 
that you actually partner um, matches during a year, a non-COVID year? It's a great question. So a lot of people will apply and not complete the application. And that's just kind of part of what happens. Um, so it, it is, I would have to run the numbers. Um, so I can't really off the top of my head tell you because I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I can tell you a lot of people start the application and don't complete it. I can tell you we place, um, about anywhere. It's again, non COVID year, about 70 teams a year. Um, so we are a smaller school, um, with that. Uh, and on average, we have about a hundred or so open applications at any point in time. Um, and then about 60 or so people on the waiting list at any given time. So then when you look at that, um, those a hundred people, not all of those people are going to finish their application. Um, so. It's, it really is, I, I know someone who would have that number right off the top of her head of how many applications we get a year and how many people actually complete them. Um, but I, I don't have that exact number right off the top of my head. So essentially, it's a, a one-year waiting period? I'm sorry, uh, the wait list right now is about 9 to 12 months. It just kind of depends. Some people are getting served more quickly and other people, it takes a little bit longer. Uh, The thing with waiting times is it really, really, really depends on the type of dog you need because we focus so much on that match. We really focus so much. It's kind of like we ask you so many questions. We're kind of setting up a dating profile for you. Um, So, and that's something we take pride in is how much we focus on that match. So some people, we might find that perfect dog for you in, in three weeks. And some people, it might take you take us longer to find that perfect match for you, um, depending on maybe you need a dog that walks super fast. and But you need a dog that walks super fast, but doesn't like to work in the city and prefers to be in the country. So it's nine to 12 months is the number we give people. But really, in reality, it's just so much harder to say. And does that change if it's um, a, a person who has already had a dog and is coming back for a new dog like George? Yes. So if there are returning graduates to our school, they're a number one priority. So with that being said, they're going to move to the, not that we necessarily go in the order of the list, but the quote unquote top of the list. So as soon as they complete their application, they're going to be the first person that that the team looks at for matches. So when a dog is ready, they're going to be looking at that person for a match right away. So um, they are a first priority. I will say our poodle wait list is about four years. So that is the big difference is if you need a poodle, unfortunately, there's only three programs in the U.S. that do them. So it is about four years. Well, Lauren and Addie, uh, I think we've come to the end of our questions. There still is a little bit time left if you want to give some contact information. But whenever you're done, our next speaker is ready to go. I'm not. I'm not trying to give you the bums rush, but but if you're done, uh, we can move on and and give the next speaker an opportunity. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I can give the contact information again. So it is five one six. 
73516-479-4873. And then consumer services at guidedog.org. Consumer services at guidedog.org. And then just guidedog.org. Uh, for our website and if you're interested in the vet dogs program it's vetdogs.org so v as in victor etdogs.org um, well, on behalf, of the, have, on behalf of the pennsylvania council of the blind i'd like to thank both lauren and Addie for participating this afternoon i think we've all learned a lot even those some of us who have dogs learn some things that we didn't know and that's always a real plus so thank you again and thank you for your support to the pennsylvania council yes thank you yeah thanks tom it was a pleasure thanks Addie.